0: Welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and work shoots, one of the most important areas of wrestling history. I am your host, Dave, and this episode is going to be a good one. We are going to the big time again for the second time. We're going to the dream of the father of a son of a son of a plumber, Starrcade 1997, the second Starrcade we're going to be covering in this podcast, and maybe the second biggest episode we're going to be doing in this podcast, besides obviously the initial bash at the beach I can't do this without my three live crew of wrestling podcasts. First, we have Connor O'Donnell from Chicago, Illinois. How are you doing, Connor? I'm doing good. I'm happy. I'm still uh, up on the card. I'm glad uh,
1: <laughs> I have gone over on Gus uh, over the uh, second co-host. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm doing good. I'm so happy that like we're finally here. WCW is like arguably like biggest show ever, and you know we probably could end the podcast here, but uh, fortunately, it continues.
0: And of course, last but not least. From Dublin, Ireland, Fergus Looney. How are you doing, Fergus?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Much like the WCW wrestlers, I've paid for my way to get to this arena so that I can be here to watch this important, earth-shattering, biggest night ever life, or whatever other superlative that Mike Tenay and Tony Schiavone want to spiel out of me. It's destiny, baby. Destiny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm good. I'm looking forward to discussing all this. There is a lot to get into, mainly for later, but...
0: There's, there's other fun stuff too. And speaking of a lot to get into, let's jump straight into Nitro recap. Connor, take it away.
3: Nitro recap.
1: We are live, chronicling the past month of WCW Monday Nitro. In our number one of this podcast, we begin with a jam-packed month of nitro so bret hart he has finally debuted and the control over nitro is on the line this month but thankfully we'll cover the majority of the nitro recap throughout the show but there's one piece of news that wcw has been advertising i think i actually really think that it's an integral part to the mammoth growth of wcw that we're going to see over the next year and it's the namesake of the podcast it's WCW versus NWO World Tour. The video game comes out on the Nintendo 64. Guys, did you play this growing up? Were you big fans of the Nintendo 64 as well?
0: I absolutely adored the Nintendo 64. I remember a lot of uh, great memories from Nintendo 64. I had No Mercy in WrestleMania, which are essentially, yeah. for anyone that knows, are essentially the same game, with different skins. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. With different skins. But I did remember playing this, but I think I played this one in a friend's house. Or if memory serves, at some stage I got it, but it was kind of like, a relative was like, here's here's your WWF, Dave. I'm like, thanks, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like we have McDonald's at home, but I, I still loved it. Because it's, again, essentially the exact same game.
2: Yeah, I totally played played the hell out of this. I, I had a 64 I love that console. I think I played Revenge more though. I, I want to say. Oh I yeah, I know.
1: definitely Revenge is objectively the better game. So yeah. no, no doubt. I, I but this one. I don't came think out I first.
2: played this one as much, but I definitely did. Yeah.
1: Same. Yeah, I have, I have vivid memories playing this for the first time at a friend's birthday party. It's like over a dozen sweaty 12 year olds in their parents basement (laughs) huddled around the small crt playing a wrestling game and (laughs) you know like keep in mind like we have like mario kart 64 golden eye like these were released in the same year say what you will about like games like these this awful era like holding up to today's standards but like at the time playing games with a console no internet most importantly four controller ports like yeah, this was like yeah. the best system for like parties sleepovers like this was just like the perfect timing especially for like wrestling games to come out too because like wrestling games before this like eh, pretty shitty like I, all I can remember is like what Wrestlemania like Fire Pro wasn't like a huge game that like I didn't even know about no. it at the time
2: no I would I have played the, the kind of side scroller ones the like earlier in your house stuff on like mm-hmm. a Mega Drive and things like that, but yeah, this is probably one I played the most. Attitude, would played a lot of Attitude.
1: Oh, it's I so shitty is, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it was the first one that actually like actually had moves, and you could figure out what you could do, and there was different bits. It was it definitely could have been way better. Don't get me wrong. I just remember us playing playing it a lot in like 1996 or whenever it was.
0: Yeah, I I got my first experience of wrestling games. But I think Warzone. Yeah, I think Warzone for the PlayStation was my first kind of exposure. And then I had an N64, so I got a bunch of these games. Of course, got absolutely hooked to No Mercy, to the point where I still have the loading uh, the menu screen music. Dig Diggity Dog. <laughs> stuck in my head <laughs> right now. D- diggity Dog. What a mark. That's fucking awesome, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. Diggity
0: Dog. God. <laughs> and nothing to do with any wrestler, just random, <laughs> random background music. Still the best story mode I've played of any. Wrestling game of all time. But yeah, that that's probably my first exposure. As I said, I only ever kind of grew up knowing about WCW and like the very big wrestlers. I knew about DDP. I knew about Goldberg. So when I played uh NWO versus uh WCW versus NWO, I didn't know anyone on the game. I'm just like, who's this? <laughs> who's this jabroni? Why is he no, fighting I mean, Goldberg? Now? Right. It's true. I,
1: I think I've, I've told the story on the podcast. I. <laughs> I didn't know what WCW was until these games came out.
3: (laughs)
2: Yeah. I think what makes it funny for me is you're like, who is this jabroni? And now we're doing a podcast 20 years later. And you're like, who is this
1: jabroni? (laughs) 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 Well, you know, I I bring this up in the Nitro recap. because like, oh, whatever. It's just a video game, whatever. But like, if you look at it in context of like, you know, there's documentaries about the Monday Night Wars and there's all these takes about it. But like this, the video game, like rarely, I don't think it's ever mentioned. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, like... Along with like watching wrestling, like playing wrestling video games was cool. Yeah. My friends that were not wrestling fans, they love playing these games. As I said before this, wrestling games were crap. So they, they're not the cash cow that they would eventually become. So now they get more attention. WWF, they eventually join up with THQ. And that's what ends up becoming, you know, no mercy in WrestleMania. It's the same engine, I'm pretty sure. So they just made them better. And, you know, typical WCW. Oh, we did it first, but whatever. WWF does it better. We'll get into that later. But how like <laughs> even ECW had a video game like
0: it was bad, but they they did.
1: Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Like for, for the dream. These are like, right?
0: wow, if we have a video game,
1: we, we could potentially have a bigger audience. And I think that's not to go unnoticed. I think WCW came very popular because of this game.
0: Yeah, especially international markets. I think I think WCW was such a big phenomenon in America. And I mightn't have had the global coverage it wanted, but this certainly went a huge way to doing that. It, it's just this low key battle for the youth of that generation as well, because even today, video games are seen for it's more acceptable to be older and play video games. But especially back then, these consoles were marketed at kids. You know, we're not that far removed from the Super Nintendo going from being in uh, in electronic stores to being in toy stores, and being all the marketing going towards kids, especially. Uh, especially boys. So this is low key, a battle for the next generation of wrestling fans. And it's not, it's probably not spoken about enough.
1: I even checked the stats of the games too. I mean, they sold over a million units. Like that's a, that's a good accomplishment. Marketing for your game was, it was much harder back in those times. It wasn't as easy as people can't just watch Twitch of your game. And yeah, you have to depend on word of mouth and going over to the kids, you know, parents' house for sleepovers. And this, this game just really exploded. It just, it was the right time. It was just a perfect amalgamation of like, Had the four-player experience, a good, like, solid concept of how wrestling games should be,
0: easy to learn. It was just a lot of fun. It was a nice balance of realistic and cartoony as well, which I think most good wrestling games have. So normally this is
1: where I would give an update on Goldberg or Sting, except Goldberg had no matches and we're finally saving the Sting (laughs) updates for our main event. So we're out of time on the Nitro Recap. It's WCW's biggest show of all time. 18 months of buildup. Let's take a look at Starcade 1997. Hello, everyone. It's your boy, Connor, here. Quick announcement before we get into WCW's biggest show of all time. We are now on Patreon, so if you would like to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash WCW vs. NWO podcast. Take it away, Dave.
0: Since this is the biggest WCW show of all time, we got some numbers for you here. 18k people in attendance, 543k live gate, company record merch sales at 161k. This drew a 1.9 buy rate, something they'll never top. 650k buys grossed 6.85 million. Show is the company is just looking so strong at this stage. Third most watched pay per view of the year, and we don't mean. Wrestling pay per view, we mean any sporting pay per view. That means it beat a lot of boxing fights out. And this is a year where Tyson fought Holyfield. Uh, and sadly, under these notes, under our show notes, it says no WCW show will reach these heights again. And it's because they don't. This is the pinnacle of WCW pay per views. Well, what, what do you guys think? Does it does it get better for WCW and their pay per views? Just don't show it, or is this the decline?
1: It's hard to tell. Like that, that's part of why I wanted to do the cast. Because I don't r- recall what the first half of 1998 really brings. I, I only remember the the tail end of Goldberg's streak, so it's it's hard to tell. But this is, I mean, this is definitely the peak. I mean, we we've gone on record many times of like, well, 90, 1997 wasn't very good, but the numbers show otherwise. Of there's a lot of eyes on the product, though. Yeah, I was gonna say that
2: this is probably the pay per view wise, but they they arguably gave away their the one other big match that they had. F- to build for a pay-per-view for free so i guess in theory that might have been a possibility so maybe they do manage to do something just as big next year but we never get to see those kind of stats because it's on nitro instead of pay-per-view
0: opening video package is a bit different this time around we see sting walking around in his favorite weather the rain kind of crow esque broken windows with video uh, with visions of Hulk Hogan dancing around them. And I hate, hate packages like this. Cause they are what? so realistic. They are so unrealistic. Man, what, how is the camera? Crew you are watching sting? enough mid
2: nineties films.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, as an homage to sting. I think it's very cool as an homage to dark, broody nineties movies. Great. As You telling me that the elusive man that's been avoiding WCW for a year and a half went on a photo shoot in the rain with your camera crew brings me out of the element a little bit what, what do oh, you guys think did. of
2: this package such weird suspension of disbelief <laughs> <laughs> mechanics like well
1: he's officially with the company
0: now so <laughs> that's uh, yeah. hey,
1: babe, it makes sense yeah,
0: <laughs> their first, the, the first thing now you're with the company we need to get you in some rain yeah and some we gotta get, get him, book go. him book him book him <laughs> <Not> <laughs> movies. Movies. You're,
2: for, you're forgetting this is where he is living at the moment like this is like true. true to life like, <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not kayfabe bullshit this is what he does because now he's the crow. I mean, all it was missing was the, was a voiceover. It really, really wanted to have
0: this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a time where hope <laughs> <we> is <was> lost. <laughs> I thought
1: about that, but like, I th- maybe they were going for the, this, you know, this thing doesn't talk angle. I'm probably giving yeah. them too much credit, but at the same time, like, I go back and forth on if I like this promo, it is very well done, though. Like, shot, it, like oh, it's yeah. very simplistic, yeah. over dramatic. And I, I wish I had like a proper promo package with like highlights and stuff because we have 18 months to pick
0: and choose from. And yeah,
2: and there's and no, no time.
0: <laughs> I, I kind of hope, I've always kind of hoped that after all this build up, after this, you know, Sting doesn't talk, he's this broody, moody, anti kind of hero, that he just ends up not changing his personality at all. That in the first interview he talks he's just like well mean jean we're <laughs> going to get after
2: turns out after all this time he was wearing a wig and he still has the bleach blonde the bomber haircut like
0: yeah. <laughs> that would be so awesome <laughs> oh, <that'd>
3: be <laughs> it comes so back funny. out in the
2: uh, the face paint and everything and you're like yeah, what <laughs> in <it> his chest
0: <laughs> i it's probably the best the best promo they've done though right i think it's i i, I agree it's super well shot though like i will agree it's well made
1: yeah, as far as production wise, yeah. The right. uh, storytelling wise, it yeah, whatever. Did it pump me up to watch the show? Yeah, I would. I would say it did in okay job with right. that.
0: Yeah, my my. I, I will agree with us. My suspension of disbelief belief is a bit weird at times. I just it, it doesn't <laughs> click with the story for me. I would have rather just seen him come out the raft. All the shot, all the times he came out of the rafters, just super cut together. That's what I'd like to see.
2: All his appearances uh, as the stinger on fake sting all mixed in.
0: Yeah. We get a nice pan shot over the crowd. We're told, I think there's 20, they they say there's 20 something in attendance, which is, of course, as we found out, not true, but that's wrestling. Uh, And we see some of the WCW wrestlers in the crowd, and this becomes a vocal point for the commentators uh, to show solidarity between WCW, Rey Mysterio and his streets, along with Glacier, Booker T, Harlem Heat is there, and a bunch of others we'll try and mention throughout the cast. Commentary talks about the referee for the main event, and it will be picked at random since there's concerns from both camps over fairness. They also show more WCW wrestlers in the crowd and talk a bit about what they think about the solidarity of their locker room. What the do lead. you think? Bearing, of the
2: bearing the lead, Dave. Yeah. Bearing the lead. There's no Bobby.
0: Bobby's not oh, here. I, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> I forgot like, to mention who isn't here tonight. Uh-huh. Bobby will not be joining us. And that is because of, uh, we find out later, an incident on Nitro. On the go-home show, Bobby begs for his job back after WCW has been taken over. Nitro's actually been overrun by the NWO, something we've been waiting on the cast to happen for a while. And Tanay is, I think, physically threatened, they, they say, to come back out. And Bobby begs for his job back. This is this is his life. This is what he knows. So they kind of imply later in the show, not that he's turned, but that maybe he just works for whoever's... I think Tanay says he works for whoever's on top. And so Tanay is replacing him tonight.
1: Yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate. Like, we, we've had many critiques about Dusty, but he is off tonight. He's babbling about Destiny, baby. It's all about Destiny. And then the worst Dusty impression ever. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you understand what I mean? Like, it's the biggest show of the year. You got to bring it. And I, I just yeah. I don't think he does the show. Fair to him, I, according to the Dirt Sheets, he was a little grumpy. He was demoted to some B rate syndicated shows.
0: I will say Dusty has one good line here. Unfortunately, this one good line leads to him talking about destiny all night, like you talked about. But I like the events like this are why you put on your tights, taking everything else out. Sting versus Hogan. I kind of like that. This is why you wrestle.
1: Yeah, I did. I did too. It's 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 always when it comes down to the the wrestling action. It's, oh yeah, it, he really oh, bothers yeah, me. Falls flat. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, Tony and and Mike are too similar.
1: I right, and that's yes. that's Which a big problem. It's, yeah, Dusty has, does not have good chemistry with two straight men. Yeah, I, that, I also that's think a line this to is take out of context, right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also think. Well, you're right about the chemistry. Sometimes it's fine because I think Tane is a good commentator. I think I'm learning over this that Shivani is a better commentator than I ever gave him credit for. But I think neither of them are great tonight either. Shivani's fine. Tane just has nothing much to work off, and usually he can take the lead on the play-by-play and like the cruiserweight matches, but there's only one of them tonight and he doesn't take the lead on that one necessarily. And he's kind of just flat and doesn't bring any excitement to it. I'm really, I don't know if I'm like
2: happy with the WCW wrestlers in the crowd. Parts of me go, yeah, that's a good idea. Cause people you're like, yeah, they really want to be there. They want to see what happens and they want to show support, but they really don't use it all that much for what it is like they do crowd shots and stuff and then some of their choices of wrestlers may not be uh, the most (laughs) particular shall we say (laughs) there is an odd one where they keep going back to Alex Wright and he's talking to Vandenberg I mean you have to assume like they're on the road or whatever they're just mates and stuff but they're like why are they talking to each other? Is there something going on between them? Or like, no, dissension with Mortis invent- and <laughs> <laughs> like Mortis just sitting there beside them, like chewing away, like just <laughs> watching the, watching the event. And you're like. There's no way there's anything to that. Also, you're not going to follow up on this. I know this. This is WCW. Like <laughs> they're too concerned with referencing Rick Valentine and uh, Barry Darso being in the background. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. As I said, I don't, I don't even know if they're employed by the company at that stage. I bet money they're just like, yeah, let's just go watch Starcade. We're in town. Oh let's no, I think they are. It.
2: I think it's full WCW mode where they've like they actually have <laughs> two hundred wrestlers under contract, and they're like, oh we need some more people in the crowd. So uh, yeah, guys, you can show up for this show. Yeah, grand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's
0: get again, some future hall of famers, get them to fill out the crowd, fill out the crowd. And it's like, it's some weird, like
2: backhanded compliment towards them as well. Cause it's like, they, they say that they paid to go to the show. Oh, really? I hate this yeah. so much. Yeah. So you wouldn't,
1: have your own wrestlers? At th- what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the comments were not necessary. I, I, I do initially. I liked it just because it's like it makes it feel like a big event having all your guys. Oh yeah, yeah. we care about this. We're going to be here. I wish you guys were at ringside instead of sitting in the stands. So we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, also it, true. It, it feels a little weird. Them being in street clothes is kind of odd. <laughs> Seeing Hugh yeah. Morris and Johnny Grunge in the stands. At first, I didn't know, oh, th- those are wrestlers. I just thought they were. They blend in
0: so well with the, <laughs> with the tip average fans. fans. <laughs> 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 but it makes them sound so cheap. Like I get the whole they paid for their own plane tickets and It's supposed to make them sound like, we're not going to sit at home when this is happening, and we're going to take action. But instead, what it makes it sound like is WCW is incredibly cheap and refuse to fly their own workers out to shows. It would have been way better if they actually had said the reverse of like, you know, these guys wanted to be here, so we made sure they were here. We paid for their plane tickets because they deserve to be at this historic night for all they've done all year. The other big thing that annoyed me about it, I realized that certain
2: wrestlers I, I really wanted to see were not on the show. <laughs> it's
1: like, <Yeah>. oh no. <laughs> a couple seconds <laughs> Yeah, We'll in, talk about like... that plenty. But yeah, <laughs> their overall theme they're trying to go for is the unity of WCW. So it falls flat a little bit, but that's what they're trying to get across. Yeah. and That, that will come across several times in the pay-per-view. So... WCW, they're, they're not very good at uh, bringing
0: things together with details. Nope. The last thing the commentary leaves us with is that the NWO have given uh, a press release that Nash won't be here tonight to fight the Giant. Oh, no. First match first for Starcade for night is the Radicals at War. Again, we get Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero, and this feud has, I guess, technically been going on for an extremely long amount of time for the podcast. They came kind of to blows at first. When both of them were technically the face uh, back at Super Brawl, when Eddie cost Dean a cruiserweight title by accident. And then later Dean beats Eddie for his US title. After Eddie's win for the Cruiserweight title against Rain, Dean gets into his face and re-sparks this feud again with a proper heel-face dynamic, I guess, this time. They have a great match on Nitro that ends up being a draw. And then Eddie comes out on commentary for a bunch of Dean Dean's matches, mocks him for being boring and interferes once in one of them as well, which leads into this match. How have you enjoyed the buildup of these two all-time greats on the Nitros, Connor? Uh, pretty
1: enjoyable because Eddie carries it. You have to do that with uh, Dean, <laughs> as, as we'll see that kind of with uh, his, his feud with Jericho uh, in 98. And I, I thought the commentary thing was going to be boring because you, you see that a lot in the Attitude Era, but he is he's a champ. He's great on commentary. He's not the stupid impartial you know bischoff annoying type commentary and obviously that that nitro match was fantastic it's no surprise the guys like eddie dean uh jericho who ray they all have so many good nitro matches so like they they really carry the show um with match quality but awesome. as, as far as like amazing build compared to you know what we see in the main event eh, whatever but you don't <laughs> you don't need the fantastic build for this type of match.
0: I've noted this. And it's something that Dean does do well, since we've been a bit down on Dean recently, he seems to carry grudges. He see, I don't know if it's he insists or the company insists, but he hates Eddie from way back before his feud starts. You know what I mean? He's never been on great terms with Eddie. And it's the same with him and Chris stuff. Like they just carried this grudge for each other for like a year. And that means when you need to throw them into a, a match together, there's this built-in feud already that they can build back off of. So it's just good character development over a year. And I'm not sure if it's this group of, I call them the radicals, the guys that eventually jumped to WWF, but uh, this kind of group of guys seem to have it all the time. The card is hot at the start of this bout. Dean abandoning his usual technical stuff and just beating their crap out of Eddie. Eddie getting even frustrated with it. Eddie tries for a hurricane rana and Dean just slams him with a hard powerbomb. Eddie runs the ropes again, trying to get a bit technical, and just gets power slammed out of his socks. Just completely getting dominated by Dean and the exchanges. Dean meets Eddie with uh, power moves over and over again, and he's making him look like a chump at the start of this match.
1: There's these awesome like power moves that we see. Like there's a the Hurricane Rana counter by Div into a power bomb. That yeah. The commentators aren't just they're not reacting to. They're no. just talking about the fucking main event and the whole oh, Nash thing. So bad.
2: It's really annoying. It's a WCW pay per view. I just assume by now that they won't pay attention to cruiserweights, but yeah, it is still disappointing because the match is great. Uh, <laughs> Dean in particular is far more intense than usual. He seems to be getting like a some form of emotion out of it, uh, and Eddie's just great at being like a smarmy, slimy heel. So
1: yeah, it's it's nice to have this kind of commentary on Nitro, but at this point, you get your audience. Let's let's try and build this feud up a little bit. Dave kind of recounted the feud very nicely, and commentary don't give you any of that
0: yeah it is a shame and as you said i think that's nitro mode this is what you do when you're building for a pay-per-view when they have bought the pay-per-view they're not going to turn off the pay-per-view because of one match please just treat every match like it's special or the crowd won't think so either and he brings the pace of this match back down focusing on the knees of dean cutting him down and playing the playing the sneaky heel or the i guess the smart heel after Dean gets the better of Eddie for a little bit longer, Eddie turns the tides on the outsides and targets knee even more, sandwiching Milenko's knee between the turnbuckle and the stairs and drop kicking it into it. I always point out these kind of spots when they come by, but I love spots that actually deal zero damage to the competitor, but look gruesome, and uh, I think they sell the swell, and it looks very really good. Oh, yeah, they had the right camera work for for once mm-hmm. so <laughs> oh yeah yeah i was gonna
1: bring that up gus i, I think <laughs> the whole production from for the most part of this pay-per-view is actually pretty top-notch so yeah. i'm glad they brought it up on that side and i thought eddie really brought it for this match too. some awesome like subtle heel work on this match yeah. like him begging on his knees and he kind of <laughs> yeah, just like kissing his foot he, yeah <laughs> they're kissing the foot but he also runs like on his knees like out of the match like that's pretty impressive yeah. like he does it really quickly so just yeah. enjoyable stuff here
0: the only blemish on this match that I saw was a kind of uh, top rope botch where boatmen get it's up not there. Kind it's kind it's of. A, it's a big botch. It's botch, But it, I think they get away with it because Eddie goes for Hurricane Narana or is setting up for the position of it, and Dean throws him off. I think Dean is supposed to turn it into a gut buster or into a, a face plant, whatever you want to call the the X Factor, whatever the proper name for that move is but they just disconnect in the air. So neither man is touching each other. So they both just fall off the top turnbuckle. And as far as botches go, it looks like someone just missed their move. So it doesn't break kayfabe. It just looks like someone, they both fell. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, Dean lands on his feet, but then he bumps. Yeah.
0: yeah. I guess that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a decent note. Cause
1: I think the crowd notices it cause they took him right out of the match. And Dean followed up with like a quick sloppy cover, but he dragged like Eddie right near the ropes so it was like a super obvious rope break, and You could just hear the crowd just groan like,
0: uh. Yeah, very deliberate. <laughs> Boom.
1: I, it's, it's hard just because like the guys were just like having like an awesome, smooth technical affair. And then it was just like, oh, sloppy shit. It's like, oh, it, it, it really shows,
0: sticks out then. It shows small things. It, like Dean just loses connection with Eddie for a second there. And it looks like nothing. But if Dean just holds on to a body part, it looks like a top rope DDT or a face buster or something, you know? They can just sell it as that, but yeah, it just looked like nothing. Unfortunately, the only blemish and otherwise very good match. Manko hits a power bomb after this and goes for cloverleaf, but Eddie's work is paid off, and he can just kick away Manko's knee, putting him in a lot of pain. Eddie so goes can for we, uh, can we
1: can we talk about the the whole knee injury which, psychology? Which part? Here? Well,
0: they they go on on and on about
1: the match that he can't put on the cloverleaf clover leaf because his uh, knee. he needs his knee yeah. right. Do you really need yeah. your knee to apply the cloverleaf? <laughs> I don't think so.
0: I, I guess it would be painful to be in a squat position with a sore knee, right? That That's kind of what they're saying. It's kind like, of more your thighs,
2: though. It's not really your knee <laughs> that's putting all the strain there.
0: It is weird. I guess it's your knee
2: as much as your knee is needed to stand at all. I guess there's some hidden technique part to the cloverleaf that we're not privy to that makes it really hurt that you need your knees for.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, I could see, like, the knee injury, like, oh, I can't do the frog splash effectively to get, yeah. to, like, the proper height. Like, that and I can see the cloverleaf. Yeah. You know, I, I like the Bret Hart psychology. Like, it's like, oh, my, my hands. I can't do the sharpshooter if my hands, like, hurt. Maybe I think the commentary just paid a little bit too much attention to it, I thought.
0: They, they overplayed it because all you needed to see for the storytelling in the ring was because it's not like Dean locks on the relief and falls when he puts it on. Right. What right. happens is Eddie's clever and he's made a weak point in Dean. So when Dean goes for the relief, he just gives a small kick to Dean's leg and Dean has to let go. He's in too much pain. So that's clever psychology by them. But I think you're right. The only time commentary were involved was going, Oh, his, heat, his knee hurts so much. What about that Nash <sighs> guy though? <laughs> you know don't worry we're getting to
2: him we're getting to him don't worry yeah.
0: <laughs> those, those commentary is holding so I, I do think this is less the people in the ring overthinking it and it's the comment commentators overthinking it but that strategy does pay off already he gets to kick the knee from under malenko he does go for it again but malenko moves sending eddie to the outside dean still can't do anything about eddie going to the top though and hitting a very sweet top rope uh, drop kick to dean's knee Dean clutches his knee, screaming in the the ring, letting Eddie go up for the frog splash, hitting him for the tree. Commentaries say that he frog splashes his knee, but I don't think that was actually the intent. I think it was just a normal frog splash. Eddie retains, and man, I'm pretty happy. I I think he's been a highlight of this year. When he was a face, we weren't all on board with him. We had some sloppy matches, but his stuff at Ray this year, he's a super deserving Cruiserweight champion at this point.
2: I really enjoyed this. Shockingly, the opening match is probably the best match on the card. Made a lot of sense. Dean put in an awful awful lot of effort, more than I think I've seen from him recently, I guess. And there's some sweet moves in there that you mentioned. Things like there's a good backbreaker reversal as well, which is pretty nice. And yeah, Eddie is great. I'm looking forward to where he goes from here because I'm hoping that
1: it's not just Dean again. I hope they go somewhere else. But yeah, really enjoyed it. I pretty much agree. Although I will say this is probably not the best match between these two because they've they've had some better bouts probably in ECW. I mean, it's just, it's just the one awkward botch kind of knocks it down a peg, but it doesn't matter. I, th- I think the right guy won. I thought it was very impressive. This is right around. They said in commentary that Dean just had his uh, child just like two days before this. And as a parent, I can only imagine how, how sleep deprived he was at this point, And he still managed to bring it and show up to the pay-per-view. It was nice to see a heel win clean for a change, especially during this era and this show in particular. So, I mean, it just it really happens outside of your typical squash match on Nitro. Nice to see. I, I, I do wonder how this match would have been if uh, Ray was in there as a triple threat. It had been teased, but the triple threat, I guess, was just not a match used at this point, which is a shame because I think Ray is arguably like the best cruiserweight they have at this point, and he's had such an awesome year. So it was kind of a shame not to use him in this pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, at least... I imagine at least being in the crowd gives them a, an appearance fee. So it is nice. <laughs> as much as I don't like that, like, the Harlem Heat and him are just sitting there and they're guys we've learned to love on this cast a lot. It's nice to know they're probably getting a payday <laughs> at the end of it all, you know? I know you're
1: reasoning here, but this is supposed to be like the WrestleMania, though. Like, you yeah. should pull
0: off all the fucking
1: stops here. And I know Bischoff is going to say, like, you know, we don't want to overexpose certain talent but you're not going to overexpose ray mysterio jr just put him out there it doesn't matter i understand his logic for certain like top talent of the rick Flairs, your scott halls i can maybe see your your logic in that and we'll talk more about that later but for ray mysterio like you should be in there for example <laughs> yeah. ray mysterio while he's not while his knee is still on attached to his body you should use <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, enjoyable match. I, I, had, I had really good hope for this pay-per-view after this and I uh, really liked it. And yeah, I wish I could see these guys fight more. I hope we see more.
0: After this, Hall struts down to the ring. He has the fake tag team title on him, not the real one. Some of the viewers might be confused because these titles do change hands a lot. I'd like to tell you a bit of a backstory about it, but there isn't much. Just the outsiders start wearing fake tag team titles to be trolls.
1: There's no promo about it. There's no segment about it. It's just, yeah, they walk out with them. Cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, so, uh,
1: doesn't doesn't bring them any more heat. Nothing. It's just this random belts they're wearing.
0: Yeah, I guess it's the whole, oh, we never lost the Steiners. It should have been overturned. But it's about two months too late to do that or whatever.
1: They're, they're trying to build back towards that feud, but that, that feud has lost its luster so long ago. Six isn't even in the company anymore. Obviously, they don't know that at this point.
0: Yeah. On the way down to the the ring, there's a sign, and the sign says, McMahon Fears Steroids. And I'm very surprised that sign stayed as it was for the network. Eh,
2: whatever. I like how you're avoiding the awesome Too Sweet sign, though.
0: The big hand. Yeah. Someone just like, put out a
2: hand to make the sweet gesture. It's so good. It's deadly. There's some really good signs over the course of the night.
1: One uh, I, I noted around this time
2: was, Hogan
1: is older than Dirt. <laughs> why would you bring that so, sign to stargate i don't there, know
2: there was one like in the previous match i think it's when eddie's coming down to the ring and instead of like nwo for life it's billy kidman for life <laughs> like wow wow really going all really? In on billy, kidman, B- in billy kidman
1: his awesome heroin act ability yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: get that an guy the title and ability to miss his his finishing move as much as possible yeah <laughs>
0: That'll come back <laughs> into play later. Don't you worry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Billy, Billy Kidman's great. I'll have no ill words spoken about oh, Billy Kidman. I love Billy cast. Kidman, but man. <laughs> Unpower bombable. Unpower bombable.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Hall gives a very typical Hall promo, and he's very obviously just out there to get the crowd going and give them something to boo, which I would argue isn't necessarily needed after such a hot opening match. Was certainly needed for the next match on the card. So
1: it's not his fault. I mean, this is his autopilot promo that he does every week. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, obviously we'll, let's get into this now of Nash not showing up. So they did not know Nash was going to show up. It was either the day of or the day before. So it was, it was, this was a very, very quick change that they had to come up to fly with something. Paul does his very typical. You know, who are you here to see the WCW or NWO? And, it actually depended on which week it was, NWO we get more cheers, some weeks a bit more booze. So it was very, very, very week to week of which which side the crowd was on.
0: It's nice to get a slice of Nitro on our pay-per-view podcast, I'll say that much. The Hall is, uh, tells us that Nash isn't going to be there tonight, and he teases, he doesn't exactly give us a reason. He says he's busy, he's down there, and like, someone's like, where? And like, you know where. What 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 is he implying here? Is there something I'm missing, or is he so, implying that he's so going to jump? So there's ship? this
1: whole thing that is very inside clicky-ish thingy. Or I I don't know if the MWO just really started it. They're they're basically just doing suck it. Basically, they say down where, and they do down here, and they do a crotch chop. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, okay.
1: That's what that's what it's referencing because they
2: can't say suck so it.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, they, they're phasing this out, but the, for a couple of weeks they they would do the crotch chop and they go down. Down where? Down there. So it's very interesting that like, oh yeah, DXA came up with this awesome suck it thing. It's like,
0: well, NWO, I think, started doing it first. It is truly, truly like first grade humor, isn't it? Down where? Down at my penis. Ha! Gotcha. Marks.
2: I mean, it's almost as good as him calling Gavin Nash a genetic marvel. I have to say <laughs> that was
0: so good. I cracked up so much. I wonder if that was a rib on Kev, or he was being being genuine. It sounds like he was kind of ribbing Kev a little bit there, which is fantastic.
1: So, what do you guys think? what What, what was the what was the reason? What, what do you think? Do you want to believe the conspiracy? Do you want to believe the actual
0: reason? Hundred percent a blown out quad. <laughs> That's just the on money bet with Ken.
2: Those oh, quads were okay at this point. Got out okay. of bed,
0: quad went. No, I, I, I hadn't heard the conspiracies actually. I haven't heard about this. Well, before. it's
1: just the conspiracies of, oh, he doesn't want to lose to Giant So he's just like, eh, I can get away with everything. I'll come Oof. up with some bullshit
0: excuse. I believe that
1: 100%. Okay. I, I
2: don't know. Like, he just doesn't seem to care. Like, he's He's been barely on shows anyway, pay per view wise anyway. For the last couple of months so i i could see him just being grumpy and going like oh i came here to like win be like the champion or whatever and i'm doing nothing
0: Could could you imagine if the nwo was done with someone that wasn't a raging alcoholic and someone that was actually impossible to do business with how successful it might have been uh, probably wouldn't have been <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like the reason he gives is he has a
1: mild heart attack and you know bishop says that he talked to him on the Talk to him on the phone. Talk to the doctor. Yada yada yada. So I can definitely believe it. That's so over the top. I've heard people like come up with these theories of, about this, but does it really matter? Because like, no. I do not give a shit about the giant Nash match really at all. It's, no, who's the better giant? I, I don't care.
0: It doesn't, it doesn't seem the time
2: for it. It's just very randomly put together. Like it feels like they're like, oh, we should do something with the giant and the two lads. I I have my my main gripe with this. They decided to use the number one contender for the world title to get beaten up by the Giants. <laughs>
0: well, we, we should go over exactly what happens before we talk about it. So what, what happens here, Scott Hall starts throwing out some playground insults towards uh, the big guy because Nash isn't going to be there. He says, well, they default. Get a referee out here. I like this bit. He's like, just get a referee out here. They win. We don't care. He's not going to be here. Giant comes out instead because Hall throws out some franken-doofus. Is that it? Because Frank oh, yeah. and Doofus, fantastic. <laughs> that's actually the perfect way to describe <laughs> it. Know, yeah. Frank and Doofus walking. And and I think Giant actually puts a pretty good promo. He's like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to have a very long, successful career. And one day, Nash is going to have to come back. And when Nash comes back, I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to show him that I'm the, the best Giant. I got patience and I got talent. And that's all that matters. I think that's this is the Giant I like. I hate when he does... The shouting, I hate when he's around Hogan too much or does too much coke or whatever the flip he's doing, and he feels like he needs to shout everything. This is the kind of stuff you want. When he's composed, he's scarier. It's not frightening when the cartoon giant starts to shout things, you know. true this whole thing, though, it must have been really hard to cut this promo because Hall's on the other side of the ring, jumping around and making fun of, <laughs> making fun of giants <laughs> and pulling faces. And then at the end of the promo... Hall tries to lay him out, but a giant no sells at all. Beats the crap out of Hall, and instead of going for a choke slam, hits the safest jackknife powerbomb that's ever been done in the WCW <laughs> ring. Like he actually cares for his opponent, unlike all of Kevin Nash's opponents. It still looked great, though. Yeah, it still looks yeah, great. It did, yeah. yeah. Actually, safely done powerbomb by a by a big guy in the company.
2: But yeah, I don't know why you needed to punk out your number one contender, but you know
0: to each their own yeah you could have had him just run away as well you could have just had giant swing for him and had hall run away didn't really need to have the promo at all so like i I don't <laughs> mind if they think listen the fans have come here to see a match we need someone to address it but you could have just had giant come out and say his side of the promo or had like a pre-recorded thing by i don't know there's lots of different ways they could have gone about this you're right where hall doesn't have to be jobbed out for no reason but I guess they, they don't care. They're just like, as long as they're not losing matches, they don't seem to care if they get beaten up.
1: Well, Hall's pretty much the best guy to do this to. He's so good at just being, he's he's cool. He can deliver that good promo, but he's also very good selling too.
0: Yeah, he did look dead after getting power bombed. This leads into the second match, only the second match of the night. Team NWO versus the Steiners and podcast favorite, obviously, Ray a trailer. Don't you attribute that to us. That's you. (laughs) (laughs) storyline behind this is the big boss man himself has been bullied essentially by the NWO after he leaves them. I don't understand why he leaves them. He's a jobber and he's in the biggest stable in the company. Not sure why he'd do it. But anyway, they've been targeting him, bullying him, leaving him knocked out backstage. And the Steiners have told him, if you ever needed help, come talk to the man to man. And it shows that the Steiners are... WCW all the way, it doesn't matter if you've sinned in the past, they'll help you if you're WCW. Team NWO comes out first with uh Vincent and Scott Norton really sending out their A team for the tag team champions here is the NWO. Well, yeah, we we, we didn't we didn't bring out first bit, they yeah. come out to help Hall to, to help the back Hall. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, I forgot about that bit. I absolutely <laughs> forgot about that bit. <laughs> they bring they bring them out to help Hall to the back, playing their uh, playing Hall's music, and then they have to come out to the pleb music. On the yeah. way back out, they literally yeah. walk out, they bring half to the back, and come back out. Why couldn't anyone else do that? It's so bad. There's basically nobody else in the NWO, is the thing. Yeah. Like, everybody else has a match that's at the show.
1: Yeah. It's just a waste time. There's a, there's a loads
0: of wasting time on the no, show. No, there's so, that's also true. There's so yeah. much of it. And then they have to come out, but they only come out with two members, and in the middle of the the ring announcer saying the third member, who was supposed to be Conan, uh, he gets cut off. Scott Norton obviously just says something to him when he stops mid-sentence. After this, we get the Steiners with their Steiner eyes music coming uh, with a big boss man who is very obviously just in his streets and has no music, so... God, he looks
1: like such shit.
0: <laughs> he looks so much better in his, <laughs> And I feel bad. I don't want to body shame a guy, but he looks so much better in a couple of years in his next run in WWF.
1: It's not even. I'm not even talking about his body. It's just his crappy black t-shirt. Yeah, it's just not paying yeah. any
2: effort. No, yeah. it, it does look like his streets. Remind me, uh, they're the tag team champions, right? Yes. Yep. Did they come out with their belts?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: ted's ted's
2: okay sure sure sure
0: ted has to do something he's getting paid a lot of money to carry around signer belts to stand there yeah sure i know, yeah. I know it's hard it's hard to
1: remember because ted's so forgettable in the uh, in this no, I remember team when it was can't.
0: such a big deal that he jumped he was with nwo he was like a jump from wbf and i remember it was such a big deal when he was not with the nwo for no real reason at the end of it yeah i do mm-hmm. i definitely do yeah
1: uh, speaking of their attires, though, like if it's so weird that pretty much everybody in the match is wearing it's black, black and white. <laughs> yeah, it's black and white. And the style is black and white. The only wrestler with a little bit of color is a little. It's like dark reddish is, brown tights yeah, uh, on Norton. Norton. Yeah, it's, it's his vicious tights. Yeah, with like for, a, that like brick overlay
2: for the vicious and delicious tag team.
1: <laughs> Yeah, which is not in that tech team anymore. So. Yeah, just Are they not? No.
2: Short-lived. Uh, it was a short-lived tag team. Despite them still wearing matching tights <laughs> on the evening.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know WCW is great at branding. Yeah. Oh man, I have
2: another one about another wrestler later on for exactly that. So,
0: <laughs> NWO music hits after the good guys come out and the third person is revealed to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Unfortunately, a bit of a sad story but, uh, behind this. Conan was having some family issues at the time, family health issues, and couldn't be at the pay-per-view. Kind of sad. I'm not the biggest fan of Conan, but <laughs> it must be absolutely miserable to have to deal with these family woes and miss not only one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, but probably one of his biggest paydays of the year. So it absolutely sucks for him. Well, luckily we get Macho Man, so yeah. Yeah. And he looks great,
1: actually, to be fair.
0: Macho? Yeah. Yeah. Macho never comes unmotivated, I've noticed. So maybe he has bad matches, but he looks like he's always trying to have a good matchup. That's what a lot of people say about him. There's lots of people we can point out in this company, nearly everyone where they've had a day and they look like they just don't care. And that's fair. I have days of work where I don't care. Macho jumping off steel cages, even though he is a two minute <laughs> a one second fucking thing to do. Coming out to this jobber match, oh, pumped out of his eyeballs to wrestle. You got to give it to the guy.
1: She's taunting Harlem Heat. For some reason they're at the guardrail uh yeah. at the ramp. I don't think I saw him like any other time. I guess that was like their spot. Yeah. I don't I, know.
2: I think that's where like where they keep cutting to. Like that's where the majority of them are. But they never really show it properly. And yeah, you'd think they would use it better. Or they might have even just like had a cameraman down in that area to kind of see what's going on, but no.
0: Here's my pitch. Instead of a tree on tree match, why is this not just like Rey Mysterio, Harlem Heat, Scott Steiner uh, the Steiners on one team with maybe even Big Boss Man and then a, the rest of the NWO that aren't being used on the other team.
2: Because there isn't anybody else on the NWO <laughs> well,
0: Who else the, is
2: going to be on that team? Get, oh, get no. the
0: Japanese guys
1: Yeah, so it's, yeah, Japanese guys or the fake Sting. So Yeah, fake sting, <laughs> fake sting I knew I was missing <laughs> someone Sketch <at> F. <laughs> and it's
0: it, It's less to show off the NWO so you could definitely have stretch for members like this or Add a couple members from the WCW roster in the last week because they're winning so much. It's just to give all your really good WCW guys a match. Here. A 10
2: man tag is just pointless. Like, that's it's, just padding at that point. Oh, yeah. It's, this at least it's has ultra padding. <laughs> a, a vague notion as to why there's a match. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah, Dave, we have
1: we have to note this here. I mean, we've gotten enough padding in this match. Yeah. Fucking Vincent is in the match.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we actually have to watch him wrestle. This is his
0: pay-per-view yeah. debut. <laughs> this man has been on wrestling TV for years and has wrestled for years. And fuck me, you can't tell. <laughs> he is really bad. And I want to be a Vincent fan because I thought the whole sad Vincent meme was a bit mean. That's that man's career we're talking about, you know, where he, nah, he was. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe if you're in the wrestling industry for this for, uh, long, learn to wrestle. That would be my thing. I don't know. DDP did it, and he was like 100. It's not that hard, Vincent. Just learn to bump that isn't awkwardly on your side. You're not Ric Flair. It's, ah. Uh, He's atrocious. He
2: just looks kind of dangerous, to be honest. He to does wrestle. look
0: kind of dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: also don't want to get in the ring with other dangerous wrestlers, uh, Rick Steiner. <laughs> Why did they have Rick and Vincent wrestle? That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's
2: the one shot of, of the pay per view that I'm, I'm really like, oh, it was terrible. They did a close up of the headlock that Rick was putting on Vincent. Yeah, oh, it was, yep, it was just so outrageous.
0: Vincent just wasn't, <laughs> I, I have this noted actually. So uh, I guess we'll skip through the match pretty fast. But at one stage, the headlock he has on isn't tight, isn't cinched at all. Vincent just stops acting halfway through it because he's bored or tired. I don't know. And Rick is doing, he's doing, he's actually being super safe. He's pretending to rake Vincent's face, but he's not putting any friction on it. So he's just... It looks like he's just petting Vincent on the face with his two fingers. I'm like, what is happening? I think
2: Vincent's trying to say... show that he's, like, falling unconscious. Yeah. So he's not doing nothing. It's just... It just looks like he's going to sleep, but... (laughs) but I think that's what he's trying to do. But it was a terrible shot and it, w- it went on for way too long <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's a problem with, I think it's a huge problem with this match. And yeah, D- Dave has a right to skip over oh, some. Oh, please don't talk I mean, there's about some early, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's early exchanges. There's power moves between Scott and Macho, blah, blah, blah. The crowd doesn't care. The, they, the Steiners do the dog spot, blah, blah, blah. Bossman's tagged in, you know, delivers some babyface fire up offense. Nobody cares. But well. the the minute the match changes dynamic is when Vincent is tagged in and it's, Everybody likes seeing Vince beat up, though. For some so, reason. It's just yeah. weird because it's like for a couple minutes, like, let's see the WCW beat up the sympathetic B-level NWO member for like five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs>
0: basically my notes. One of my notes is at the start of the match, the commentators say the Steiners are unflappable. They're very businesslike. They stay focused and get the job done what fucking Steiners are they watching week in week out they're the easiest tag team to distract of all time and we all know tag teams are distracted easier than newborn infants and the Steiners you could drop a penny in the Steiners and done in the match it's awful it's like they've never seen their character before one of them barks like a dog for the love of god
2: I mean oh you can tell who the star of, of the of the match is by the fact that the crowd is like oh my god he's gonna do the flying elbow and everybody goes goes crazy and then that
0: that the match is over over the, the match is explained in a couple simple sentences the nwo tried and isolate scott who starts the match it goes wrong the ring gets cleared and there's barking rick steiner gets tagged in and he does some elegant hip toss, uh, tosses and chain wrestling now nah, i'm just kidding he, <laughs> he just power some lads and does some more barking there's a big brawl in the ring some double team moves are done it fails and the steiners lose that's it if you want a different Steiners match, you you just scramble around the last bit and you go, there's a, a chaos in the ring. The Steiners hit a double-team move, and they win. <laughs> that, that is all we've got. And I know the Steiners are good wrestlers, and they show glimpses, but I'm getting sick of going through Steiner matches because this is it. Scott clears the ring. There's barking. Rick does some suplexes but is an idiot, so gets distracted and caught. There's a double-team move. They either win or lose. That's it. And that's all that happens here.
1: There's something different though. For some reason Ted distracts the referee for no <laughs> reason. I <don't> know what <laughs> <known>
0: whatsoever, yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe he's working from the inside. <laughs> yeah. I, I, thought, yeah. I, yeah. I, I honestly thought they were gonna
0: do him as like a double double mole or whatever, that he but it doesn't make any sense. Ray looks terrible. His move is just a big punch a couple times on Vincent. He doesn't look motivated at all. I
1: know we've mentioned that um, Wall Street, whatever I can uh, Micro Tunda, is that how you say his name? Oh my
0: god, Micro in the fucking company. <laughs> Where's Micro Tunda? Uh, in the crowd, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we mentioned this about Wall Street that like he's the kind of guy that needs a gimmick. I think we've I think Boss Man's pretty much the same kind of guy. Uh. He need he needs some kind of gimmick. He just he doesn't really fit this era.
0: Yeah. I, I do have one note beside I had that same note that boss man just looks lost, and I have to call him Bossman. I can't call him Ray scott norton also doesn't give a shit about this match but it is yep. hilarious he's just walking around hitting people and lifting them up there's no Oops. pace or seriousness to his motions at all a little bit of a spoiler he comes along later and does something in the exact same nonchalant i don't give a fuck oh, it's kind of action. it is wonderful it's so the great. other
2: time it's wonderful
0: <laughs> people, we 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 joked about you know scott getting over in japan and how did he if he acts like this in every one of his wrestling matches, I'd be his biggest fan. Just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> give a fuck and <laughs> just hitting people and almost annoyed that he's there. You know what I mean? Oh, how dare they pay me? Yeah, to it's 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 a legitimate criticism because
1: like I I wonder if like he he shouldn't be in the MWO. Probably there's probably better ways to utilize this guy.
0: They're doing nothing with him. He's over somewhere else, and he's obviously tasted kind of higher rankings in other places. So he probably thinks he's being quite wasted. I don't know if I agree, but he's definitely a better wrestler than they gave him credit for. and yeah. <laughs> They won't even give him new gear.
1: Yeah, so NWO win, win the match, obviously. You, you you called it with the elbow drop. So what do you guys think of the match?
0: Like, if this was the first Diner match I'd seen on the cast, I'd be like, oh, that's entertaining. They went through their stuff. I, I, I didn't watch WCW, so I haven't seen much of their stuff. But this is the same thing over and over again, except we had to watch Vincent, so... F? It's, wow. Uh, I don't think it's
2: that bad. Jeez. Uh, it's just total paint by number, a six-man tag. Like, th- it shouldn't be on a pay-per-view, realistically. This is the kind of thing you do, like, at the start of a feud or something like that. And it, this is how it kind of kicks off, or whatever. Shout-outs to Scott Steiner's haircut, which is pretty bad.
1: Yes. I was, <laughs> the transformation has begun.
2: awkward in-between phase where he hasn't really decided what he wants, so he has a bit of mm-hmm. everything, and it doesn't look right at all i never want to see vincent wrestle again judging by some of the promos and material from modern present-day company i think we might not be done um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah it's just it just goes nowhere and the show didn't really need it i get why they have it on the show like just to have more of the nwo involved and everything but whatever it's definitely don't watch it's, this. it's hard to tell you
1: know? so yeah so the original finish was wcw was supposed to win but macho yeah, they can't pin. I don't know if you change the finish or just, just like, uh, I'm not going to lose this fucking Ray Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> do you want the NWO to get like some kind of wins? Yeah. So um, I guess get it here. The story they could have gone with is WCW wins all the matches and NWO is dismantled. So that's obviously not what they want to do. So you have to have the NWO retain some wins. So I, I thought this was just fine. It could have been obviously way better, but you know, whatever. Yep.
0: After the match, Mean Gene is on the stage and he tells us hotline fans that there are new wcw faces in town they're in the back even though they're not competing they're in the crowd give him a call he has kids to feed and he would like them to eat there's even more of
2: them
1: in the back <laughs> like, oh my god they are they have employed 200 people <laughs> listen greg valentine paid a lot of money to fly out to <laughs> yeah. the show greg valentine looking not,
0: grumpy greg valentine has never had a lot of money in his life there's no way he paid that's, to go that's to a also a not David greg
2: show. valentine being grumpy that's just greg valentine
0: <laughs> sure sure sure
1: dusty's like oh yeah that's great wow greg valentine he's he sounded surprised
0: 100 <laughs> percent, Dusty's covering up his mic and going is, is greg wasn't greg dead didn't greg die <laughs> <laughs>
2: no sure greg has wrestled like we've had to watch
0: him wrestle in the yeah. last year so gene brings out the jj Dillon. Explain why so many WCW wrestlers are in the crowd. Same explanation solidarity that's not an explanation. Why are they in the crowd and not in the back? Why are they in the crowd and not by the ring? You being too cheap to buy plane tickets that's an explanation. He seems super happy about it and them being all there to witness this historic moment. Dylan tells us then they have picked out a ref from a hat. Seems like the best way to do it. I don't know. Yeah, why? Why? They're all <laughs> WCW refs. It doesn't make sense. It's not like there is an NWO ref. This would make sense if there's two different t- types of ref. but that storyline died a year ago.
2: Why wasn't there a giant rollerball? Like, that's what I, <laughs> oh, I want to see.
0: I want to see, yeah, <laughs> and the girl with like, of one of hat, those. Like. One of the girls with like the Vegas kind of costumes, the giant like ostrich feathers behind them to yeah. it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, WCW used to do that. Um, Yeah, yeah, for like lethal lotteries and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Missy, Missy Hyatt was that girl, so there you go.
0: Fantastic. Gene is Gene is nervous because the person they picked out is Nick Patrick, the former traitor that has shown no. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved that they started. with... We've taken Nick Patrick out because what happened in the past. So we just have our normal referees. Oh, well, this is boring. You're just going to say a name we've never heard before in our lives. So this is completely pointless. I hate this. This is your biggest feud of all time, and the whole—I don't think they're actually understanding how important this feud is and how important getting Sting over with the new fans is for the longevity of this company. Why is this extra story thread needed?
1: Because controversy creates cash. If destiny is the word of the day, controversy (laughs) is definitely the second word of the day because they say controversy every two seconds.
2: (laughs) Because it's also Dave. Like they're trying to show that it matters to them. So they're like, no, we can't, we can't just like give it to any rest, any referee or whatever. We're trying to be as fair as impartial, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. It it is totally unnecessary, but I get the intent.
0: I I do get the intent. I just like, let's contrast this between like Sting and Ric Flair. The first time Sting has made WCW's big thing, big face, big, before he has to reinvent himself in this new era of wrestling. And they make a lot of money with that. And all that is, is we're going to let Sting fight flair there's going to be shenanigans in the run-up but at the pay-per-view sting fights flair and the best man comes out on top we don't need any of these trimmings there's going to be plenty of trimmings and filler and fucking shenanigans the whole night let your main event just be what people have waited for for a year and a half you know
1: you know, they had this whole contract signing. You'd think they would have that like figured out, like the ref would read yeah. if you're worried about this we would have about. the referee yeah. in there. So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That contract I guess was made two months ago, so I guess yeah. they forgot about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just a storage room full of contracts they forgot about. Do you know? Do you know? Macho Man has asked for seven ducks in his locker room. I don't think he <laughs> once did that in this contract. Hey, hey, we're gonna get to more contract
2: bullshit later. Don't don't spoil oh, all that. I, I,
0: also, my wor- my I hate that trope in wrestling. My contract says that I can hang people from the gallows. Well, contracts don't really work that way. We'll get back to shit. it. Don't worry. Yeah. Just, just, do, let's I'm carry sorry, on. Yeah. Let's carry on.
2: We're spending loads of time on a really, really shitty segment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, JJ Dylan, never good, never good second, uh, as Dave like to say, the JJ Dylan. The yeah. JJ Dillon. Because
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually Dusty Rhodes' illegitimate child, the JJ Dylan. Match number three of the night, and we get a battle of uh, cross sport Hall of Famers. That is Mongo McMichael and Bill Goldberg. I say that, I actually don't know 100% if uh, Goldberg's in the current Hall of Fame. He's in WB, yeah. Good, good. We have seen this feud develop on the cast, and there hasn't been much added to it since the attack of World War III. Yeah, nothing's kind of built up on the nitros, which is a bit weird. Do, do we know if Goldberg was injured or something, or was it just forgotten about? Yeah,
1: that, right, and, and that's why he didn't have his match at World War Three. So I'm, yeah. I'm guessing they were just waiting for him to get healthy, and they they... I guess you still want to have this this feud blow off, I guess.
0: I don't yeah. know. Goldberg can't wait for the action to start and meets Mongo on the ramp. They start brawling, and Goldberg just picks him up and carries him <laughs> to the ring. It's super weird because <laughs> it's not like he knocks out Mongo. Like I think it would be actually quite a cool spot if he just hits Mongo so hard or spears him straight away, so has to carry him to the ring to pin, pin him and win the match. But he just picks him up like a petulant child. Mongo's still hitting him and he's just no selling it, and picks him up and rolls him into the ring. Mongo pops straight up because he hasn't been hurt. And then Goldberg can't get into the ring without Mongo hitting him. It makes Goldberg look like an idiot and it makes Mongo look like a pleb. Can either of you make sense of this spot?
1: Both guys are inexperienced, and it really shows yep. in this match. Pretty much pretty much any, if you want any explanation, that's what it is. It's yeah. just lots of inexperience. Mongo is not the kind of guy to carry a green wrestler through a match. <laughs> no. it's,
2: it's a really odd choice of match for Goldberg at this stage as well. Like, they clearly want him to wrestle longer, but they've picked a guy who's not capable of, of doing that with him.
0: But, like, where are the road agents telling them what to do? Or how cool is that spot if instead... Goldberg just like does a big move on the ramp straight off. Jack Knight, you can do, make him do the jackhammer, you can make him do the spear. This match is over, carries him, pushes him to the ring, but Mongo is strong enough to get up and control the match for a bit. You make Goldberg look great and aggressive, you show off his stupid strength, and you make Mongo look good because he recovered and was kind of playing possum and was clever enough to recover in the ring and still fight. Have you seen WCW? Have you seen the pay per view replay? <laughs> yeah, but that's so easy. <laughs> the biggest,
1: the biggest match of the company, and they don't have a plan mm-hmm. for it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's not surprised they messed this one up too.
0: <laughs> Goldberg tries to get into the ring, but Mongo's standing, so he doesn't want it. So he like threatens him with a table, but then doesn't bring the table it's, into the ring. It's just sets plunder. it up awkwardly on the post. Dusty
2: don't. wants to talk about it.
0: <laughs> and it's just a singles match, right? There's no no. They said nothing about it yep. being no DQ. Mm-hmm. So yep. why is this trap with the table a thing? Because the table,
1: it's it almost snaps like a breadstick. So like, oh, it's not that threatening. So we don't have to worry about it. Yeah,
0: the ref's just like, actually, it probably just uh, helped. Like it cushions stuff more than it hurts anything.
2: I think as well in this match that Dusty mentioned something about no DQs. Maybe it's a later one. I can't remember. Oh, I might be the buff yeah. one. He's going on a bit. I ain't never seen any any pins outside the ring. Well, I mean, I guess unless it's false kind anywhere, but
3: you know,
0: or <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no DQ or a Texas them match, yeah. but ba- back finally in the ring, Goldberg just hits a spear. But again, Mongo can't sell a spear, and Goldberg isn't that good at hitting spears yet. So Mongo oh, kind of—it's of, awful, so bad.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. It's just a random transition move at this point. We have to remind everybody too, like the crowd doesn't really know Goldberg that much. Still at yeah. this point. It, yeah. It just he has not been on TV that much. It doesn't doesn't help that like he started off hot for like a month and then
0: he's kind of been gone for a month and a half. So I do I do also get why they love him so much. He looks so perfect. You could barely create a better looking wrestler from scratch, you know what I mean? He just looks like a perfect athlete for this.
2: It's the right idea, just not executed cracky, which is WCW, you know? Yeah.
0: It's mm-hmm. it's it's also really funny when both of them are like, very good football players, obviously. Very good is probably an understatement when you're talking about Mongo. But when you look at both of them, and I told you one of them's a Hall of Famer and one of them wasn't successful, when you look at their body types, which one are you going to pick, you know? I know that's not how sports works, but Goldberg looks like the guy that should be in the Football Hall of Fame is all I'm saying. At this
1: point, I like how the crowd was yelling at Lodi for some reason. I guess they were bored enough that they
0: need to pick on Lodi. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's, that's who it was. It was Lodi they were going on.
1: Uh right yeah we'll talk about that later. sure
0: (laughs) goldberg goes to the outside and sets up the frail looking table to the outside and he tries to go back inside the ring and throw mongo from the inside to the outside that would have been a great spot i would have loved to see that but i'm i don't trust mongo to take that spot at this point after mongo escapes he for some reason decides to stand on the apron in front of the table no way this can backfire on him (laughs) oh my god he got punched (laughs) he fell through the table it's so controlled. I didn't expect it for a second. so, it's so bad. ECW. ECW. Insulting. There was insulting, an actual ECW chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, insulting yeah. ECW with that chant, with that paper table that he took a gentle backdrop through. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It wasn't God, even it was a so backdrop.
2: Bad. He fell on his side. Like, it's yeah. his hand that hits Very. it first, by the looks of things.
0: Yeah, it's so awful. Why included it at all? I thought for a second he was going to do the edge spear him from the inside through the table thing. The edge does the foley. I'm like, that would be cool. That's a good spot that doesn't. no one really gets hurt in. Nah, that wicked punch. Back in the ring, Mongo tries for a tombstone, but his back gives out because it's just too sore from that terrible, terrible table bump. Goldberg then just picks him up, even though no move has been done to Mongo. He just has a hurt back, and Jacker hammers him. That's it. Wash my eyes with bleach, please. This was awful. Off, <laughs> awful match. <laughs> awful <laughs> awful match. No heat. It's obvious that neither of these guys are, are ready to wrestle proper matches. I'd say Mongo a little bit more than Goldberg, but Mongo knows how maybe to wrestle a very normal match. He has no idea how to handle getting squashed like he just did. His selling ability isn't good. The table spot is contrived and absolutely farcical. And I honestly think it is WCW and WWF start doing more things like ECW to try and get this like... 18s to 21s kind of demographic and see oh it's
2: see, deplorable see, I don't think it's a, it's meant to be a squash match that's the point is that they're trying to demonstrate his ability as he grows like he's obviously squashed everybody and they do kind of mention it in the comment in the commentary team where they're like he's he's used to just doing two moves and being out of here he's like so this is like unknown territory for him so that's kind of why now the table thing is so random I don't yeah I don't get why they add that into it but they just can't convey a, a slightly lengthier match with him. He also just doesn't seem to know enough moves, let alone ability to work a match. Right. So, yeah, it's not its not good. Like, if, if he didn't look like a million dollars, this would have been one of the worst things on the planet. But, like, you can tell he has such charisma and he has such ability and he just looks crazy good that you're like, okay, we can put up with this. He'll learn, kind of way.
1: Yeah. Going, going back to it though, I actually kind of agree with Dave. I mean, just thinking about it logically, you have the two football players. You can easily go back to the football player booking because these Mongos wrestled other football players on the cast. You can do the the chop block spot. We, we didn't do that. So I, I guess they didn't want to go that route, but you could have done simpler spots than this contrived table thing. It's a, it's a shame because I, I thought this was a cool matchup on paper. But yeah, when you get in the ring,
0: though, it's, it doesn't work. It could have been so easy to make both these guys look fine. And that's all you had to do. Goldberg just had to come out of this looking fine instead of awful. I am surprised that we got the Goldberg streak after this. I am surprised after the couple appearances, he became such a big thing because there is no hiding how terrible he is at the moment. And that speaks either wonders for him or wonders for the booking that they got him that over.
2: No, I I, I wouldn't agree with that. He's definitely, he shows his ability all the time he's just still learning like this is the first time he's really had a long match so
0: but uh, is that is that acceptable for viewers that like someone's learning on the job on tv when they have a train they have a training facility you know this isn't like yeah. I know the, the audience doesn't yeah. know that
1: though this guy's still I mean, pretty
2: unknown it's one match dave like if you give up on somebody after one match like nobody would ever get over it.
0: No, but I'm just surprised. Maybe his next couple will be a lot better, but it's been too much. One one match and one appearance, sorry. And they've both been, like, very bad.
2: Well, his exposure is to the Nitros, which you're not watching on Saturday night and whenever he's wrestling.
0: That's very true. That's very true. Maybe they have a big uh, wider reach than this kind of stuff for that.
2: He's definitely not the finished product anyway at this point. Like, there's still bits and pieces he hasn't figured out, like, about his character even. Yeah.
0: For sure. I mean, they, they're still
1: they're still billing him as Bill Goldberg. They're not even calling yeah. him Goldberg yet. Yeah. So it takes time. Yeah. These things.
0: I think they should. I I think there's an argument for definitely getting him out there this early. He's hot. They're, they need open comers because some of their roster isn't that young anymore. But can, can you do that and then put him against Mongo and obviously have no one put it together a good match for them?
2: Like you know I have way more problems with the next match than this one i I like to give you much, an example. I, we'll,
0: we'll talk about that now. For match number four of tonight, we're getting even more radical than before. It was booked as Raven versus Chris Benoit, but we get Chris Benoit versus Saturn. The build-up to this has been Raven is ducking Benoit. He keeps getting booked again some week after week, but instead he has to take on members of the flock. And uh, we get one of the most arbitrary rules in WCW right now. Raven comes in to know music, sits in the corner, and he explains to the crowd, when he signed the contract, he didn't want to conform, man. Why he signed the the con the contract? But anyway, he doesn't want to conform, man. That means that he can wrestle who he wants, where he wants, when he wants. And he doesn't feel like wrestling tonight. Which I don't like the contract stipulation, but I love how mad the crowd. It's such simple heat. I, oh, I don't, it's I'm so Not gonna great. wrestle tonight. Not gonna wrestle tonight. Don't feel not feeling it. Hammy's tight. The crowd to hate him for it, and I do. I do love that bit.
2: It's the dumbest thing on the planet. Why would any company sign that?
0: Yeah, like, I know, it's so
2: bad. <laughs> also, why like, isn't he like wrestling it. Hogan? Like, it, there's so many holes. Like,
3: yeah, like There's so many <laughs> instant
2: loopholes where you're like, uh, what? Yes, it gets heel heat. It's dumb as fuck. I don't like this at all already to the start with. like,
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And then it's just like, I like Raven. I like some of his stuff. I like the flock. I think the guys I have together for this suit the purpose of it. But does he just not want to wrestle ever? I don't get it. What's his purpose? To annoy people, I guess? To bring more people to his flock? That isn't that entertaining. You need a pretty good baby space for that kind of stuff. They had Dreamer in ECW. And even then, he didn't go this far of, I can just do what I want kind of stuff. You don't think Benoit's is a good man for the job then? No, no, I do not. I, I think he's a completely different kind of baby face. I think that they'd have decent matches. I, I'm sure the the venture wrestle and the matches will be decent or whatever. I think Benoit was very good in this match, and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more in a second. But he's not this sympathetic, dying, getting basically tortured by the bad guy's baby face. You know what I mean? he's the wolf Wolver- his nicknames are the wolverine and the crippler that doesn't evoke sympathy i think i think we have
2: to dock raven points somehow for being responsible for chris's attempt at a promo it's not a promo oh my
0: god Chris it's an is attempt promo. Not a
2: promo how
0: does this now affect your game plan going into this what? i think it, i think he's gonna tell us guys. Right, i didn't ask you oh quote the crippler no more I don't look at reality through any veil, nor do I see the truth through any veil. It is what it is, things are as they are, and I am who I am. When I rest, I rest in reason. Wow. When I move, I move with passion, and there's nothing I feel more passionate about than inflicting pain on the raven. He well, laid that out.
1: I'm not going to defend Chris on this. So I, I have enjoyed um, Benoit's, you know, fiery baby face moves and stuff. But yeah, this promo, quote the Crippler, no more. No,
0: that's not the phrase, More
1: passionate about <laughs> than <laughs> afficti- afflicting pain or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. It's It sounds like Benoit's trying to do, like he's trying to imitate Raven, like a Raven promo. Yeah. Like he's trying he, to be he, like he very... Can't just (laughs) ominous and yeah he just can't can't. it's i don't know if he's nervous or not and because he's definitely delivered better promos than this obviously he's just
0: on horseman promos that have been fine because all then you talk about is like i'm gonna hurt you and here's the number four and this one is trying to be a bit philosophical and he's like i don't see things through veils because veils aren't where i am and things uh, are real. And look, what is real is my wanting to hurt Raven. <laughs> you weird dude. Get this weird guy out of here. You let him There's, in the arena.
2: There are three exhibits in this match to show you why Chris Benoit cares about one thing and one thing only, which is his wrestling ability. One, his inability to cut a promo. Two, the absolutely atrocious ring music that has been given to him. Oh, so bad. I don't know how anybody thought that would fit Chris Benoit. He clearly doesn't give a shit about it. Three. He's still wearing his four horseman tights. He still hasn't cha- changed his tights <laughs> after months.
1: Hashtag great Like yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's
0: could literally hair in just months. doesn't
2: care. Like he he cares about one thing only, which is being a great wrestler. Which uh, thank God he's able to do in this match. Uh, he's on another level of intensity, particularly at the very start. But uh, he oh, yeah. he doesn't give a shit about anything else uh, at this point in his career anyway.
0: The best thing about how he gives zero fucks about his music. It's super cheerful and like almost poppy. <laughs> which, And he comes out with a big frown on his face. And this music is like, da-da-da-da-da. In the background, you're like, the fuck? Well, who is this for? Is Bailey about the three? Look, look, man. If you had
1: to wrestle the flock members for like five straight weeks, you'd be a little <laughs> But the perfect thing is
0: he takes the mic and he thinks they've stopped the music. But he for, he's forgotten there's a pause in his new music. So he goes to talk because he thinks the music's been cut, but it hasn't. So he just puts the mic back down and waits for them to cut his, cut his music. He doesn't even know his own team song. Quote, cripplers sometimes. Okay, Chris. <laughs> okay, Chris, put down the mic. <laughs> just just hit the guy. Just wrestle, please. Just please wrestle. After this amazing promo by Chris Benoit, which I recommend everyone listens to, Raven fakes getting into the ring to confront him just for Chris to get uh, attempted to be blindsided by Saturn. He is too fast for Saturn. And as Gus says, brings a huge intensity to the start of this match. Just non-stop action. These
1: guys are the flying. Chops. Like, yeah. it, the chops, but just like the speed of them running the ropes, it seems like the past matches were like in slow motion.
0: Yeah, the, and the, there's not much boxing or anything. Maybe one or two slight miscues, but well, there's a few good wrestling there's
1: here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some yeah. awkward points, but uh, Ben Wilde like steps to the side. He spits at Raven. Raven's just like,
0: nope not flinching at all yeah
1: just completely no sells it
0: complete loogie in his face eventually the raven's rules come into play kidman tries to get involved but is dispatched the numbers are too much for christo uh with sick boy getting involved and kidman hits a shooting a running shooting star press off the apron which he almost misses because while he's very athletic he's never been able to do what he doesn't almost miss he does miss (laughs) get 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 used to that yeah it's his hands that touch him, and that's it, Dave. He barely. He's so stupidly athletic, I don't know why he can't control where the shooting star press goes. It's
1: a hard move to do,
0: to be fair. In it, in it, no, it definitely is. It's just he has everything so down besides that. He's trading his ability
2: to control it for the speed that he does it, I think is probably the best expression I'll get. Because it looks way faster yeah. than most other
0: people's. And he doesn't go as high. That—that—that that, that is all very true. We we did
1: kind of mention it earlier though that the flock members we have we all have names now we identified them there were several weeks like well this guy he's holding up signs who is this guy I don't I don't know maybe we'll know next week and then nope we still don't know who this guy is and then then he wrestles Ben Wise like oh yeah this guy's name is Lodi cool we finally got there <laughs> finally got
0: it. so it's Lodi
1: sick uh, boy
0: Kidman Hammer Riggs is in there now Riggs is part of the flock yeah Riggs is the uh, member. yeah he's an eye he's patch like a badass. Hammer is their big guy that always ends up winning the confrontations. Yep, and Lodi's sign guy from
1: you know the yeah. Dudley
0: Boys. That's true. The so it's I don't it's pretty good, I think. I, I think it's a nice mid-card stable with some guys that are clearly a lot better than the others, including Saturn, who uh will getting back into this match, does an amazing springboard, what do you call his salt? His like weird springboard moonsault. Yeah, it's just Spring break. Yeah,
1: pretty much. He, he climbs up to the, like, the turnbuckle, one motion. It's kind of like Rey Mysterio-esque. He, very very yeah, nice. Yeah, for a
0: guy his size. He, he also comes off like, at this stage, and it's not just because they're both bald men. He reminds me of Daniels doing stuff like this in his early career. Saturn's wearing down Benoit, working on the back of the head and setting up for the rings. Or That's how the commentary, uh, that's how the commentary plays out the story. Getting a lot of leg drops on the back of the head, snapping off a couple moves and just kicking and punching there. Saturn signals for the end of the match, and I assume he's like copying the flying head, but I don't know if Saturn has a top rope move of his own. Nah, he's just, yeah, he's just mocking Benoit. I think he's just mocking Benoit. Uh, Chris meets him and pushes him to the outside. Chris misses with a baseball slide, but seamlessly follows up into a crippler crossface, which I thought looked sweet, just like one fluid motion, missed a slide into a crippler. The flock breaks it up, though. And the, I, I think the camera angles are great for this because you just don't see the flock coming. So all you see is a cripple yeah. on the outside and five bodies just hitting a pile at the same time to break it up.
1: Doesn't quite connect, but
0: yeah. yeah. Cool spot though. The flock gets dispatched by Saturn himself as they hold up Chris for a uh, moonsault to the outside, but all he gets is flock members.
2: He, do- he doesn't really, to be honest. They just kind of fall over and he does his move.
0: Back in the ring, and Benoit hits a flying headbutt. The flock is in to stop the ping, but Benoit clears house. Raven steps forward and distracts Chris, Chris grabbing him by the collar. We finally think we're going to see the confrontation, but Hammer attacks Benoit from behind to stop it, and Raven hits the even flow DDT. Uh, Saturn locks in the rings of Saturn for the win. Uh, I'm also a big fan of both those finishes, by the way. I like the I like snapping off DDTs as a finish to make them look different from the everyday DDT. And I think the thing is the Saturn looks kind of cool without hurting anyone anyone remotely, you know. Yeah, this match was okay. It was
1: sloppy at times. These no-DQ matches can get tiring pretty quick. I'm sure Gus uh, was not a fan of them because, you know, why doesn't the fog just interfere all the time? Yep. So yep. it's kind of the aw- awkward <laughs> thing about this period. The match was really just more, more to build heat for Raven. So in that case, I thought it was successful. I will note Raven was originally... Sp- supposed to wrestle but he still has an inflamed pancreas so at least he showed up though unlike other guys in uh, WCW
0: yeah actually not like his finisher is a major bump but it is kind of a bump he has to hit his back hard to that That can't, can't have been comfortable so fair, fair fucks to him
2: uh, I don't think Perry is as good as I thought he was the more I'm watching him when he gets his heat segment he really slows everything down and it doesn't really go anywhere I'm not sold on the whole on the Raven stuff. It's been like four months now and he still hasn't really done anything. This is where I like, unlike earlier where you're saying with Goldberg, Dave, this would be, be like, come on now. It's It's been a while. You got to show something now and you still really haven't. Now, granted, he's injured. So that's that's fair enough. But it was definitely a, be- a decent wrestling match. Just, yeah, could could have done with something else on so this was the biggest pay per view of the of the year.
1: I knew you wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I'm actually been kind of disappointed with, with Saturn so far. I do like that his his finisher is over today. Definitely puts over the both the finishers. It's the Crippler versus the Rings of Saturn. And I, I wish Kurt Wrestling did this way more. This era mid card guys they have devastating finishers that you know what the name of it is. So, but yeah, Saturn. I don't know if he's just. Getting, still getting the cups into WCW? I'm not sure what it is. I'm, I remember he had a really awkward pin attempt to Benoit. Benoit's leg was on the ropes, yeah. and he tries to pin him. You can hear the crowd's like, what yeah. are
2: you doing? He seems very slow.
1: I thought they started off hot. Yeah. Benoit probably carried the match more than Saturn, so I'll, I'll agree there. I, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to Saturn, though. I remember his 98 being a lot better than what I'm seeing here.
0: I, I kind of just enjoyed it. I don't mind that he slowed it down, because I think... While maybe that affected the match in a poor way, I think he's doing it deliberately because he's the heel. He's like, I need to slow it down. Chris is supposed to be pushing the pace when he's winning and we're supposed to slow it down when he's not. And I don't know if it's lack of wrestling ability or just bad kind of old school psychology. I will say I I agree with Gus. I, I think the Raven stuff is going nowhere. I love Raven. I love the idea of the flock, but I compare it a lot to... Bray Wyatt kind of stuff. We were joking about how I love Bray Wyatt before the podcast, but I hate what they end up doing with his stories. And it's the same here. Charismatic, kind of grungy cult leader is all you need. That's like, I, I love that. I think that Kidman is his perfect follower because Kidman looks a bit like a teenager. I don't know his actual age at the stage. And he's influenced by that movement and that kind of the movement that's going through actual people at the time, the kind of grungy, not caring teenagers. But this when you start adding contracts, when you start adding this weirdness of, I just refuse to wrestle. I'm too good to wrestle. Why does it need it? The story doesn't need it. Him just being a cult leader that has people interfere in matches is good enough for a while. The Raven rules matches are awful. The story does kind of need it because he is well, yeah. not medically clear. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <This, laughs> the story so. needs him not to wrestle, but the story doesn't need this the Ravens rules matches the I'm so non-conformist. I conform to a contract that's non-conformist. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get you. It's convoluted. It just doesn't need to be anything else. Then I'm a, I'm a weird cult leader. That's it. It's, it's his entire career
2: though. He, he's too intelligent for his own good and it just doesn't work. Like you're brought up with the Wyatt stuff. It can sound really cool. You can think all the promos are great. It won't translate to wrestling because it has to be simple. <laughs> Crowds just aren't trained to take on that kind of storyline,
0: I, I will agree with you. I never know if it's Wyatt or Raven or the people behind the plans. If you know, if you know what I mean, like you never know if a company just goes, that's not complicated enough, or that doesn't have enough legs. Let's add more to it, or if they were given complete free reign. So I, I don't know who's responsible for the convoluted shit. There is a good chance it is Raven, but it is convoluted shit for the sake of being able to put loopholes in place where it's easy to put loopholes in wrestling. You don't need a magical contract which your employer could just terminate because you're hurting their other employees i will say i enjoyed the match I, I i think i enjoyed the match a little bit more than you two i think these are two wrestlers that i like i think this is the best chris has been in a bit hope to god i never have to listen to him could a promo again <laughs> but, but besides uh, that yeah fine c match yeah it's better than wrestling kevin Sullivan, i think so yeah he's oh god, making yes. some form of yeah, progress chris hasn't had anyone to work yeah. with in a while I'll say it's not his fault. I guess the main match we actually enjoyed, but like he hasn't had great talent to work with. So after this weird battle, we get a, a bit of a simpler one. We get match number five, the battle of the packages and about their stuff or something. <laughs> Bagwell has been getting lucky and scoring wins over Lex and boasting about it. He's 4-0 overall, including a DQ where he gets uh, tossed over the top ropes by Lex, a rule that I even forgot was still in place in the company.
1: Oh, it's only in place when it's necess- you know, necessary, necessary. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> God bless the person holding up the really poorly made jobber sign to Bagwell is right in front of no, his that was face hilarious. so funny i mean he gets the b theme so yeah he, he still has the b theme he's posing with other banners that are saying buff is the stuff he goes to look at another banner and it just says jobber in like weird bubble letters and I'm like, oh my god he that- deserves
1: it though i mean buff says you know what luger's actual name should be it's lex loser
2: <laughs> i love how shit that is but it's still funny to, for me
0: he should be the bad guy in one of those movies where someone has to ski to save the sports the sports center for the kids. <laughs> he should be the bad guy in one of those movies. I enjoy Buff's st- stuff. I guess I enjoy his like spiel. But man, he has not got any better at wrestling since the start of the cast.
1: No, he hasn't changed at all since his sold out match. We've pretty much had the same
0: critique of him. Yeah bagwell is such a cartoon character here as well he stalls at the start of the match something every heel in the nwo does because i think they all kind of want to be hogan they see how good hogan reactions are so they kind of imitate it but then he takes a bump when luger spits on him so luger spits on him at the start of the match and he takes a full-on back bump like Shawn michaels hogan-esque bumping here it's just awful
2: can we just skip all of the of the supposed wrestling that goes on in this match and get to the the dq shenanigan fueled
0: uh, finish well, that, that was my only note of the match. He took a bump to spit. There was then 10 minutes of rest holds. I actually fell asleep. Not not joking. My head was in my hands watching this match, and I dozed off for a couple seconds to wake up to more sleep. You
1: didn't wake up when, when Vincent came out? <laughs> no, more <laughs> sleep.
0: That, that's probably the best bit of the match. Again, when Buff talks, it's very funny. So Buff just shouts. He gets close on to the outside of the ring. He's very frustrated. And he goes, where's Vincent? Get Vincent out here. <laughs> like, that's going to help anything. It's like, a, it's like his teddy bear. It's his comfort. I, yeah. I I, <laughs> I got to give
2: Vincent credit for at least like showing
0: off more merch because <laughs> he's wearing a different, he's wearing a sweatshirt now. The convention king, Vincent, knows how to... Those had to get his merch over, and I go back down to the ring. They say conflicting things. So Bagwell's like, "This should be fair now," and Vincent's like, two on one, baby."
3: <laughs> Those <That> statements <laughs> don't.
0: really
1: oh, no. Sure. no, yeah, no. The best, the best part about it too is uh, they cut to Harlem Heat just sitting doing nothing. It's like, hmm. There's one yeah, I mean, way that we could even this up here. Something could be done. I don't know. Ooh, popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Sunny eating popcorn.
0: And No, what's the answer? Buff
1: cinching on the worst chin locks of yeah. history. Yeah,
0: it is the worst. Fuck this. It, it is actually a terrible match. Eventually, Lex gets ahead of steam, and he does his couple moves. and He loves his atomic drop, doesn't he? His inverted atomic drop.
1: Yeah, Buff loves selling it. Buff likes the stuff, after all, so...
0: Luger gets bumped into the referee for a very long sleep for the referee, who acts unconscious very well. Lex, of course, waits for the referee to be out for the first time to attempt the rack. Savage runs down and tries to stop it, but Lex just puts him up in the rack. And I would have loved it if it was just a whole clown car of WCW wrestlers coming down, all just to be racked individually, one by one. That would have been my favorite part of the show. But unfortunately, Norton is out to finally stops it. And he takes his time, and I love it. He just slowly walks up and hits him with a. It looks like Rick Steiner's dog collar. Um, yeah. Dog yeah. collar. Why does it have to be Rick's, anyways? What? Same as his spoils so of war
2: for, for victory earlier. I don't know.
0: Sure. He then nonchalantly, again, <laughs> looks like it's almost too much effort, pulls Buff over uh, for the pin, and he just picks up the referee and starts slapping him in the face till he wakes up. And just throws him over to count the pin. And the ref's like, okay. And starts counting the three. Scott Norton is the scar- star of this match at all. It's like he's just so... He's like, oh my god. Oh, Macho's in the rock now. I'm going to have to do something about it for fuck's sake. Just, all you have to do is stop the stop people from being in rocks. racks. Walks to the ring. Oh my god. Fine. Yeah, you can just yeah. imagine that noise. <sighs> <sighs> Fine. What the fuck? Okay. Wake up referee, come on. He proper slaps him in the face and everything. Wake up referee, let's go. Let's get this shenanigans over with. Dude. Dude match. This match was very bad.
2: bad. Yeah, this is real bad. Don't don't go out and watch this.
1: Well, the worst thing was it was the longest match on the card. Yeah. Why was this the longest match? So, I
0: hate this and I, I i said it at the start. Buff is just trying to mimic Hogan. And you saw that a little bit with other people in the company. So Giant did a lot of Hogan mimicking at the start of his career, and he's not, he's doing less of it now. But he does the whole milking it on the outside and throwing up his hands and talking to the referee and jawing off to the crowd. And while some of it are assets for Buff, it makes his matches go so long. And then it's revealed that he doesn't actually wrestle that well. At the start of the cast, we gave him a good review. There was a match, he had a good review. He has good moves in his Arsenal. He's just stopped doing them. And maybe he maybe he just doesn't want to bump. Maybe he's just caught the the click. He's caught the click mentality. He's like the less I can bump and still get reactions from the crowd, the better, but he wasn't getting reactions from the crowd either. Something that it,
1: it could be just a problem with the NWO in general. They need to wrestle less to keep up the mystique, but then when they get in the ring, they're just very unpolished. You know, you're with your former world champion from 5 months ago. Yeah, but that seems like a while ago yeah it does although Luger he's never been this like workhorse that's going to carry another guy to a match uh, So again it's just I think it's just another bad pairing and who cares about who, who's the who's the true total package <laughs> this mismatch just doesn't need to happen
0: I do like the gimmick that Bagwell's just a troll that keeps getting lucky that is a that is a funny way to book a match but I don't think it's a funny way to book a match for your biggest show of the year Right and yeah, that was
1: gonna be my my follow ups. Is like, can we have some conclusions to something? It's just it, that's that's the big problem with WCW and this pay per view. We get we get one or two conclusions, but
0: I want some of these storylines to finish. Yeah, it feels like they're almost starting feuds, opposed to ending them here. Maybe a bit of a better match in our future here. Though match number six and uh, shock horror DDP isn't fighting Savage. DDP versus Kurt Hennig for the u.s title and originally this was supposed to be flair hennig in a cage match nonetheless to finish their feud but flair was shoot injured actually injured his knee they used this in the storyline though and it may ddp is like defending wcw wrestlers because the nwo can't just be taking people out of commission and i'm pretty excited all joking aside to see ddp in a non-savage match as good as that feud was and it gave us a couple good matches to look at be nice to see him spread his wings a bit here DDP hits the ring and gets probably the biggest reaction of the night so far. Since the opener, anyway, the crowd finally wake up and chanting his name, takes off his top, and wow, the ribs are still taped. He should my, really
2: see a doctor. My notes were are they just
1: part of his gear now? Or <laughs> like, at, at least commentary they try and build up that like he thrives on the crowd support, yeah. he's the people's champion. So like even they try and build up that like even though he's hurt, like he doesn't want to disappoint the, the fans. Yeah, yeah. So at least they're trying to build it like a story reason they're building it up as, as this guy that you want to cheer for. Who knew a battling
2: baby face would work?
0: Yeah. Who would have thunk it? He he probably should get them taken. I I have seen dead people <laughs> yeah. get cured faster than his ribs have. Well, you see when you're wrestling all the time, Dave, you know, it's hard for them to heal. They stay hurt. Yeah, that's true. DDP misses an early cutter attempt and heading girls outside the ring. And I love just him saying, I'm too smart for that. I'm too smart for that. Great, great heel line. Hennig, of course, goes straight for the ribs, working the back and walking all over DDP. DDP gets a huge reaction for, like, just normal moves on Hennig. This is kind of a very routine DDP match. DDP goes for a second cutter, but Hennig holds the ropes to reverse it. Both men, after a kind of shortest match, I don't feel this is earned, are acting exhausted while they're trading blows in the middle of the ring, and both of them falling down. When they get up, Hennig throws DDP into the ropes, DDP floats over the top. I think he's going to hit a DDT, but instead it hits a diamond cutter out of nowhere for the tree and DDP's first major title win of the podcast. Apparently his first title for his career. Wow. Yeah. Uh, sorry for the listeners out there if that seemed like a bit of a short description, but unfortunately I just don't think these guys gelled and they kind of had a slow, and as I said, very normalish match with nothing much to talk about. Do you guys have any talking points I might've glazed over? No, I mean, there's like there's a
1: lot of subtle details, like where they, they cut back to Vandenberg talking to Elks, right? Which was <laughs> still kind
0: of funny that they keep, very important. keep bringing that the out. The most important and, bird you know. in wrestling history, v- Vandenberg <laughs> yeah. and Elks, right?
1: You know, Hennick works the ribs a lot. This match was just very simple. So there, there's nothing really yeah. to point out a bunch. It was just by the numbers. The diamond cutter is so fucking over. So that's really yeah. what we should yeah. talk about. Like, this is just a great step for DDP's career because he, he deserves it and what better way to kind of give him the like kind of icy belt and this should be kind of the stepping stone for him so this is actually one, one notch that WCW gets
0: right I think I, I think the match as well might be a bit mediocre because while you think these guys would have a good match if you know what people say about their history Hennig was a bit of a call it on the spot old school guy and DDP was a work every facet of the match down to a minute detail guy so maybe they're their styles don't gel could definitely be it but I'm, I'm happy ddp's champion some of his matches have let me down a little bit but he is obviously super super over with the crowd yeah
2: I, I i would tend to agree with connor mostly for for this it's fine match they're not going for anything crazy kurt has to watch out for the diamond cutter and when he gets caught he's caught and that's it and it, it gets him over because the deadly finisher they've been doing nothing but show how brutal the thing is and then when when he hits it matches over really happy to see him win i like you said he totally deserves it he's probably one of, one of the wrestlers up there i think that i've enjoyed watching the most and seeing how booking when it's done correctly can get people over so excited to see where he goes from here yeah it's it's a very meandering type of pay-per-view so far
0: Internet nerd time, and this time they got Eddie on. And uh, honestly, I can't really hear what they're saying here, guys. Because you, could you really make it out. Commentators are kind of going over it. something about him proving that he that he's the best at this stage.
1: It goes to show that our favorite segment has just gone to the shits now. Really has. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I don't. I don't even remember. I just kind of he was there. They were waffling. I, I, I'm not even sure why they bother at this point.
0: Yeah, to to actually wrestle and. Decent answer from Eddie instead of nonsense, which I don't appreciate. Come on, Eddie. Match number six of the podcast. And I'm so glad they finally gave us the work rate match we've been waiting for all year round. We got Ari Zabisco versus the one and only Eric Bischoff. And I. this has been one I've been waiting for. I don't know about you guys.
2: You're not going to give him his, uh, his proper nickname, no?
0: I forget. What, what do they call them? What do they call him on the entrance? Easy oh,
2: E, of course. Easy E. Jesus. <laughs> e.
0: Oh. And you can definitely tell who's in charge because Larry comes out in a uh, fine gear. He has this like sparkly old school. I'd call it almost Ric Flair-esque top.
1: Looks uh, fucking awesome, man.
0: And uh, oh, yeah. oh, I, 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 I like it, but it's <laughs> something Larry would have like worn before and or his kind of style. Eric comes out with just, uh, he's completely oiled up. He has a leather jacket on. With Bischoff, as always, is Scott Hall, who uh, didn't participate in this pay-per-view. We've seen twice now. Hall hams it up gloriously doing the uh, pointing at the crescendo of Eric's music to introduce him. And uh, he has definitely the better music as Larry comes out with the Nitro music, and that's understandable, but still. I found something a little strange. I don't know if you guys noticed this. They changed the music for the network for Eric's entrance. Yeah, definitely. but, But only by a little bit. Like, only actually Mm. a couple notes, and they took out the new, new, new World Order kind of stuff, and I I have no idea why. Well, obviously, it's probably copyrighted by whoever made it, and they only had to change a couple notes. but
1: That's odd. But yeah, I mean, Nitro's on the line, guys. What do you think about this? Do you have have questions
0: about what's been going on here? We've seen Larry uh, feuding with Scott and just standing up to the NWO before, and he's got huge pops from the crowd. But how has it developed since then? Why is Bischoff, instead of hauling in this ring, fill us in, color?
1: So the NWO, they've been like, they had some smear campaigns and Larry making them look like stupid. They, they've been rolling these like vignettes of different WCW wrestlers, making them look just like complete jobbers. So after one rolls about Larry, Larry just had enough. He heads to the ring, calls out Bischoff and basically challenges him right there and we have this kind of like negotiating back and forth between the two, and it becomes a match eventually. Bischoff only uh, says yes because he wants Nitro on the line, so actual stakes for the match, which is we we've, we've been uh, clamoring for. I don't think we wanted Bischoff and Larry to be the ones that decide no. the match, but uh, Larry, No,
0: <laughs> uh, I will say Larry still looks like a million books here. He takes off his top of the ring. He's, he looks like he can still go. But the entrance that's most important to me here, and we got a whole podcast episode <laughs> was, on before I
2: was about to say, were you about to bury the lead just like WCW does? Or No.
0: <laughs> is a Bret Hart comes out first. He is a special guest referee for this match, and uh straight out in his streets and with some weird, bad, kind of country-esque music. Doesn't look great for his pay-per-view debut. What do you guys think of this?
2: Oh, this is awful. It it looks terrible. The music is so bad. Now I, I I gather he's injured at the time, which is part of the problem. I don't know if there's any contract issues or whatever, but yeah, it's a very strange way of bringing him in. But at least he's doing something, uh, even if it's not what I would I would've with.
1: I think the oddest thing going going into this whole build up, I actually didn't know that he was the referee in this match because he's synonymous with the main event. And all of a sudden, no, he's the ref for this match. So it was very weird, like seeing it all, all unfold his grand entrance of he's the special referee. The only reason Dylan got to choose, you know, Brett as, as the referee, because Dylan says, Oh, I can, I'll pick an NWO guy. And Bischoff's like, okay, fine. And since the NWO think that Brett Hart's in the NWO, we have Brett Hart as the referee.
0: Which is so stupid. When you break down the whole thing they did at the start of the event with Nick Patrick, we got to be fair and impartial for the main event. And then this Bret, Bret Hart just gets to be chosen for the co-main event. It's mixed signals.
1: It's negotiations that, that, that yeah. those are part of the, the contract negotiations. That seems at least a bit
2: more legit. Yeah. Is this the kayfabe reason to make the finish look more legit for the main event? Like we jam him in as a referee, so then they can say, "Oh well, he's actually a referee."
1: Yeah. Although yeah. they're very they're very bad at explaining yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it would also help if they if he looked like a referee at all. Like why yeah. isn't why isn't he just on the ref shirt?
1: Yeah, go with the Ken Shamrock look, the cut off yeah. sleeves. Yeah, yeah, cut
2: offs, or even Sean Sean with his short shorts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would have <laughs> been great. There's so <laughs> many ways you just have a heart on it, have a ref shirt, and have a heart on it. I don't care. Just do anything but wear your streets. It's like he honestly didn't know he was going to be the ref until two minutes before the match.
1: Pink and black stripes.
0: Yeah, pink and black stripes. Oh. That would be great. Brent, I mean, obviously, you, just, you, don't, you don't care.
1: But yeah. I mean, the, the weird thing is, too, is he has the line of he knows what it's like to be screwed by a referee. And we, I don't think I mentioned it in the bread hard up. So if I did mention that, I wanted to hammer it at home more too that. It sucks that the screw job, it obviously it wrecks his career at this point in the moment. But like it also follows him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Wrestling with shadows, it comes out for another year. But he has to answer questions about the screw job and. I don't care who you are, like, that's going to wear on your human psyche, just having to hear
0: all about the screwdriver for the rest of your life. Oh, 100%. So. It's worn on mine, and I wasn't even involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to to today, to this very day, we still get story arcs off that, you know, half tongue-in-cheek. Uh, we screwed over a man's livelihood. Remember that? <laughs> Remember your hero. Well, Dave,
1: this is WCW. They do things first, so they're the first one to copy it. <laughs> yeah, less than a less than a month later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about this for a while now. So on on the topic of being first, Bischoff on his podcast, he talks about being the original authority figure and how there would be no Mr. McMahon without the Bischoff character. Going through all these nitros in 1997, I, I would have to disagree. In the first half of the year, Bischoff did behave like your typical authority figure. He would change the finish to matches, take titles off guys, fire referees. But for the majority in the second half, and particularly these last few months, Bischoff just comes off as Hogan's lackey. To me, the Mr. McMahon character is just completely different. And on the topic of being first to do it, it's a petty argument. Whoever does it better, that I care about more. You know, we, t- we talked about video games earlier mm. oh the world tour came out first but it's not the better game so I don't give a shit Yeah, Sega, the, the Sega Saturn came out first I don't give a shit it was a shitty <laughs> system for coming out first it doesn't matter
0: yeah. I-, I think he's also superfluous so where other authority figures like you could argue uh, Mr. McMahon had to exist for a storyline to excel you could cut Bischoff out of 99% of these stories and it would be beyond fine uh, even worse than that you could put a bland fake lawyer, you know, those like those indie guys that get to bump as fake lawyers in his every one of his spots. And I don't think there would be much of a difference. Well, that, I mean, you could bad. just have
2: Ted or Rick do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like they, I, I don't
2: know. Yeah, it's kind of odd because are people really aware of how much power Eric has in the company from a casual standpoint?
1: I don't think so. At least how it's portrayed on TV. Like I said, he would interfere like with like with match outcomes early in the year, but like past couple of months, he hasn't done anything like that. Like, is that the problem?
2: And that's why like everybody remembers Vince because he very like pointedly made sure that everyone to know I own the company and I can do whatever the fuck I want.
0: Whereas like Eric's like people.
2: Yeah. Eric is in charge from an outside standpoint when you actually look at it. But most casual fans probably just thought he was an announcer and it's just kind of an odd transition, I guess. Like, And again, he's not part of the original NWO part of it. So it's just re- It's really bandwagony, I guess, the more you think about it. Uh,
0: it it's not to say that some of, Eric, some of what Eric does is good st- stuff. He oh, gets, the, he gets oh, genuine it's great. heat. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's genuine heat. I think that's why this match kind of works to a certain degree. Like oh, yeah. Larry's very over his face, and Bischoff is, you want to the announcers even the announcers are just craving like please beat the shit out of Bischoff, please beat the crap out. <laughs> yes yeah.
2: there there is no impartiality going on in this in this matchup uh, that's for sure
0: the commentators say one really concerning thing that i think steps over the line they're like hopefully larry knocks him out and then we can all come into the ring and hit him in the face <laughs> i'm like that's morbid as hell why are you hitting that unconscious man it's all it's all
2: that pent-up aggression dave after like the year and a half of being terrorized by the nwo you know
0: yeah i i get, I get what they're trying to get across but it makes them sound like psychopaths oh yeah it's badly done it makes it sound like <laughs> badly absolute psychos sure. this, this match is I, I think you're interesting i think you're right and this is why hogan car as much as i blast hogan on this he carries a lot of his matches in this era because he's so stupidly over he has so much heat with the crowd it doesn't matter if he's terrible at wrestling at this stage in his career arguably most of his career, it matters that he he's very good at getting reactions. He's very good at making these pinpoint reactions in matches. So if you trace a Hogan match, there's like nothing, 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 heat. Nothing, 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 heat. Nothing, 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 babyface gets over. Nothing, 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 Hogan wins. Ha ha, fuck the booking. You just, so, s- s- let's not spoil the main event, man. Let's copy paste any Hogan, Hogan main event. <laughs> but the issue with this match, and we'll get into it in a second, is while bischoff and larry have that they don't really know how to get well larry knows how to get heat obviously like all-time great wrestler but bischoff doesn't really know how to do those segments and also having two of those matches in a row when they're not real wrestling at all like not one bit and you're relying on the crowd being hot or so into your weekly storylines that the match is fine is a bit of a drag So straight away, we're trying to get the storyline across that Bret Hart is impartial. How couldn't he be after what has happened to him in the screw job? He checks boatman for weapons, and we're underway.
2: I mean, sorry to to interrupt you almost immediately. Uh, You need to point out the fact that they make a very big deal of calling him a tweener, which is like such a carny wrestling term that probably no casual fan understands at all. And you're like, I I was thinking, I was
0: thinking the same thing. I'm like, does anyone know what Dusty's talking about right here? Like, I've, not, I've known, but does anyone else know?
1: Probably not. You, I, I just tune out Dusty pretty much the whole time. <laughs> he just says so much gibberish, particularly this pay-per-view. But, I, yeah, I, I agree. Especially with the way, like, Hart's been acting, this whole build-up, too. Like he's been telling Eric, like don't look for me for help. I, I understand they're they're trying to do same thing with kind of with Kurt Hennig. Kurt Hennig, like oh, there's no way he's gonna be with the NWO. He seems to be with the Horsemen, then he turns. So they're trying to go with that. Obviously, he seems to be with WCW, but maybe he'll turn. It, it's just it's worn out by this point. In particular, Bret, Bret Hart. I I don't see him. I don't see the swerve in him like a Hennig could.
0: No, I, I will say I guess people are at this stage are conditioned. since since Hogan's happened, all bets are off, I think, in fans' minds for the next two years. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think us looking back, we could never dream of it, but I, I think Brett being a heel is a lot more a lot more realistic than Hogan having done it. But we've
2: also been worn down by it. Like there's been so many yeah. times <laughs> that it's happened that you're just like I kind of hope it doesn't happen at this point. <laughs> like, it'd be nice for a change, but I agree with Connor. Like it's, I just can't see, Brett doesn't have the like facial expressions or no. mannerisms or anything to really pull off that kind of thing. He's never been that kind of guy.
0: That's fair. That, no, that's a fair comment. I also think it's less effective because they've just done it. If this is the first big th- uh, thing we were doing since Hogan, then you could start a whole new, whose side is he on? But we, you've done it with everyone. Everyone that steps foot in the company like What's going to happen? No one's just out and out about their feelings. Because you've got to be sneaky in wrestling. It's a key role to the wrestling business. Early on in the match, they're feeling each other out with strikes. They're kind of building it up. And today says it's a bit of like MMA fight where the wrestler is going to win. So Larry is looking to shoot. Eric is looking for uh, kicks. And every time he connects even with a small kick or strike, he's celebrating like he's won the fight. Which uh, i got to say I love.
1: I thought the beginning of the match worked. It's obvious that Bischoff can't wrestle. So I think Larry's like the perfect guy to work off here. And just doing weak jabs just to feel out really, really, really sold it at the beginning of the match.
2: Yeah, it's it, the premise of the match is perfectly fine. What they're setting out to do makes a, a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I got, I got to agree with you. But I was expecting an enjoyable match when it started like this, especially when Bischoff bails to the outside after these strikes, after quote unquote winning the exchanges to get advice from Hall. And Hall tells him, well, you can pick it up on the camera, do tiger style. But that's very clearly gr- uh, crane style that Hall mimics. <laughs> it's crane style, the crane kick. Get it right, Hall. Eric celebrates another landed of kick on Larry, but this time Larry's had enough. He charges into the corner and goes nuts. Brett is fairing down the middle as we've been setting up for the whole match. He breaks up illegal chokes and too many strikes in the ropes. He stops Larry from uh, striking with a closed fist even before he lands it. And is being uh, pulling up rules that WCW fans haven't seen reinforced in years.
2: Bret Hart is quite literally the first referee to ever call things like as they should for at least the first half of this match. Anyway, <laughs> it's bizarre.
1: It's not It's actually a breath of fresh air. Mm. <laughs> that, that's why I like about Larry. Everything like Larry's involved with has logic. So I'm like, oh, okay. But uh, I, will, I will say that one thing that does really work that for me in this match is I think Eric is actually pretty good selling. For, for a guy that doesn't wrestle. Maybe yeah. it's a little over the top at times, but I th- I thought it was uh, satisfying to, see, to hear him squeal.
0: Well, I think his... So I think his selling once he's in a move is quite good. That's important. We saw Rick, uh, Rick Steiner and uh, Virgil not do great jobs of it, so I can't <laughs> complain when it's actually happening. But when he, he can't bump... So when he's on the ground and, you know, Larry's choking him out, he's acting like he's dying, almost like a cartoon character. But when he bumps... It does look like it hurts because he's not bumping correctly and he's just actually hurting himself instead of making it look like it's hurting. Not, you know, <laughs> Larry is not happy at all with uh, Bret Hart and either of the commentators. The commentators in WCW are so fickle immediately on Bret Hart and wanting him to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be having
2: flashbacks as well, though? Like to, to give them some credit where you're yeah. like, you've seen everybody who's ever been your hope turn on you repeatedly over and over for 12 months. And you're like, just not again, guys. Oh, he's just going to be end of isn't he? And this is just going to all
0: be egg on our face all over again. Okay, that that's fair. It does make some sense. I, it, it is just very sudden. There's no build up over the match. It's just all of a sudden. You know, Brett Hart's a good man. I think he's going to do as well. Die, die in a fire, Brett. How dare you? Don't you torture Larry? <laughs> it's just really over the top, out of nowhere. Even Taney, who's very soft spoken and pretty impartial mostly, is like. Uh, I hope Bret Hart just – I, I hope he falls into an open grave, you know. It, Did it they really just, say that, Dave? Come on. No, no not worth for the word. <laughs> Put that on Twitter. Tell Mike today I said he said that about Bret Hart. But, yeah, it, it is from, from uh, I hope we have a good match, Larry's a good guy, Bret's a good guy to, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to WCW. I miss Nitro already. I just like a bit more of a buildup by them. But it, it is obviously not the worst thing they've done that night.
1: I love my favorite spot of the match though. Larry, he's just holding up his arms. He's blocking Eric's strikes and then he just gets tired. Just gasses. <laughs> the old boxing trope. Has that ever been used in wrestling? I've never seen that. That was That's that's pretty great.
0: No, no. I, I think people have a bit too much of an ego to use usually, it usually, uh, usually, but I really <laughs> like. Also, I like to pretend that that, that just actually happened. Larry improvised. Like, <laughs> Mishoff, you got to be on top for another like five minutes. Yeah, he's, like, he's just tired. Like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to bump here. I like, can't, yeah, so tired. <laughs> no, he, he does a great job of hamming it up here. The one thing I hate about this match, before, right before this spot, Larry and Brett not being on the same page allows for Eric to get in a bunch of strikes and take control of the match. But Brett doesn't break anything up. Eric is just striking Larry in the head over and over again with closed fists, and he's just like kicking him when he's in the ropes or even the spot that you like. Larry's leaning against the ropes in the turnbuckle. That should be broken up over and over again. And Brett's like, I'll allow it. I've completely changed my ethics in the two and a half seconds (laughs) it took for this to happen. Got to get that tension going. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I mean, there are are several spots where, like, if he does stick to the fact that he's, like, straight down the middle and actually going to call everything, he probably has to, like, DQ Larry for, like, running him into the ring post. Or, it, yeah, it looks like he runs into the ring post, but my God, Eric does a terrible job bumping off of it. He does take a, f- a fairly decent whack off the ring steps, though, I'll give him that, because there's there's a pretty good welt uh, afterwards for... for good... so,
1: the, the commentary mentions that. I thought it was just from him, although I thought it was running the ropes, but I don't think they run the ropes at all. This match.
2: No, it's it's definitely from the ring steps. It's just the problem is that they've announced and gone, oh, he went head first into ring steps, and you're like, there's no way he yeah, went head first. No, it's, it's just not... <laughs>
0: Finally, Larry gets what he can actually do in this match without Brett getting involved. Bunch of suplexes, bunch of uh, power slams and such. And maybe I'm wrong. You don't know if you're in the ring. But it looks like with the suplexes, Larry's kind of waiting for Bischoff to jump, which he doesn't. So he just takes all of Bischoff's weight for for every one of the suplexes. It looks like he's just actually hoisting him over, which which is fair enough. Like you can't, I can't embass Bischoff too much here. He isn't actually a wrestler. After all this, he sets up Bischoff in a tree of woe, but gets broken up by uh, and distracted by Brett again. While this distraction is going on, Hall very purposefully, and in a great shot of the camera, always professional, giving the camera all the time to get in there, he puts a metal like slab, this little metal square into the karate shoe. There's probably an official name for that item, but I'm going to stick with karate shoe of Eric. Eric gets up, kicks a Zabisco in the head, but the item goes flying out of his shoe and this doesn't look too bad in like full motion and full speed. But when they show the replay, it is not good. It just obviously flies out of his shoe before he hits Larry. Larry acts like he's been shot unconscious in the ground. And there's an awkward long pause where Bischoff is celebrating dancing around the ring. He starts talking to Brett, telling Brett, you know how many holidays he's going to get because he works with the NWO. Which uh, is, it was the seven seven point five mil. Oh, that's what he said. Sorry, I thought yeah, I thought money. he was talking about like the days off he gets as well, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Brett takes offense to being offered money out there, Eric, and just hits Eric Bischoff. Writing him out. Scott Hall takes offense to Eric getting hit, as you would as the manager, gets into the ring and starts to hulk out, but Brett dispatches him easily with a front atomic drop, short clothesline, into a sharpshooter. Is this the first sharpshooter of WCW?
1: Oh, no, definitely not. I, th- I thought you meant one of like what we've watched. I'm like, hmm. yeah, I'm like no, has, has Sting done the, the Scorpion? Because yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he has on the, the podcast. Oh, that's maybe, true, maybe like in one match, but yeah. I can't really think of anything. So Dean's probably done it.
0: Dean does everyone's sure. finishers. But either
1: way, this oh it felt so good to see what a real sharpshooter looks like. like. Oh, <laughs>
0: it looks so good. Yeah, he sits right back into it. <laughs>
1: oh, I've got a comment for that later. Alright.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Either way, like if, if Bret Hart, like if he said his hand was hurt, he looked fine to me. I don't I don't know. So who knows what was going on with him.
0: This uh this lets Larry uh regain his footing and he just starts to viciously choke out eric with his uh with the like cord of his gi just choking out eric eric does a pretty good job of selling this to the point where i'm like is he actually choking eric a little bit here he doesn't tap doesn't get pinned but brett's like fuck it (laughs) sorry wins
2: eventually eventually (laughs) the,
0: the end after a little pause the end and nitro is saved there won't be any more dismantling of their sets. There won't be any more attacks. Obviously, they're real. But Nitro is officially safe for now. It is not going to turn into NWO show or whatever they'd call it. And obviously, I don't know why they, they go. We, we talked
1: about having stakes in the match. Like, let's, let's go like, oh, we get five episodes of Nitro. No, let's go for the whole thing. <laughs> right. You're not going to get it in this match. Come on. <laughs> <not gonna.
0: Yeah. laughs> I like little things. As I said, I was joking there. But if they had named the NWO show. Maybe that makes it feel realer. Like we have an idea. We've we have a logo done out and stuff like that. It's,
1: they they the, kind of did that. I was gonna get that a little bit into the the sting build up. So they, they did take over Nitro and they have like their own like video package or intro. Yeah. So they kind of had that a little bit. Yeah. But I agree. It would be been cooler if they had like their own type and name.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say something I read. I'm not a hundred percent sure of the source because it was just on the Wrestling Observer. And essentially, the rumor is that this match's finish was botched. So what what's supposed to happen is Eric is supposed to kick Larry and knock him out, and Brett's going to go, no, I saw that. You're disqualified. Nitro stays with us. Which is also, by the way, a poor ending. All this build up, and it's your biggest pay-per-view of the year, and you're going to end the second match in a DQ finish. That's poor, guys. It's poor booking. But because the the metal plate goes flying across the ring. Eric, uh, Brad is like, fuck, what do I do here? Like that? I can't end the match. He very obviously didn't hit him with it. There's nothing illegal about how, you know, not hitting someone with it. So they improvise to finish. But I'm pretty sure
2: this, this goes down as a DQ, right? <laughs> like, I don't think it counts as anything other than a DQ to be fair.
0: They don't say it at the end. So
2: because he never calls anything. Yeah. so all you have to go off of is the fact that he he quite clearly sees him use his foot with the metal object whether or not the the metal was still in his foot at the time is is another thing entirely but I don't think like I don't think you can call it like as like a pin or a submission or whatever No. I, think, I, I genuinely think Larry wins by DQ <laughs> so
0: yeah it, mu- it must still be it's the only logical I guess explanation uh, it's just they didn't know what to do. Because of the metal object not going right, so the whole Hall attacking and Brett getting involved apparently is is a bit like on the fly, which is why it looks so awkward. Gus, have you ever heard this one before?
1: Because I've listened to like tons of reviews no. of this pay per view. I've never yeah. heard this. I've never heard sure. it. And to
0: be honest,
2: I don't think it looks that awkward either. Hall Hall and Brett looks perfectly perfectly natural. Like yeah, the only thing Brett. that stood out to me was like. So Brett punches Eric in, like, the safest way possible. I don't think I've ever seen a, a better worked punch, like, on, on a man.
1: Brett's, and Brett's punches l- are fucking and great. And then,
2: literally, Larry tries to kill him, in my contrast. I'm like, wow, I don't think Larry actually likes
0: Eric. This looks really, really bad. It looks like the, the Daniel Bryan choking with the, with the cable cord no, that he got fired way, it's for. It's way worse than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but
2: that's why I think it's, it's actually just a DQ, because... Brett's clearly meant to see him with the foot. He's. Yeah. I think the only thing that's that doesn't work is because the object is gone, he doesn't get to like check his foot and show that he saw it or whatever. Yeah. I think that's literally the only thing that messes up. It's literally like, okay, the object's now flown into the into the arena. We got to do something like to, to kind of carry it over. But I think it's all exactly the same. And I got to have to shout out to Brett for like completely catching the object flying over his head. And you can see him Mentally sigh on camera. He's like, "On oh, you can." not He's really bad
0: <sighs> at hiding that never stuff.
2: Should, never should have left WBF <laughs> you, you can just,
0: you can just see his eyes follow it for like half a second. <laughs> you can pinpoint the moment his art heart rips in half. <laughs> yes. What yes. have I done? <laughs> I could be in the mid card. Just let me go back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so yeah, I I don't know. I don't think that's. I'm not so sure. I'd believe that to be honest, Dave.
0: I I think I I think maybe. What's probably true is, as you're saying, maybe he was supposed to like take it out of his shoe and confront him or something instead of like Bischoff going for a pin, stopping the pin and going, what's this in your shoe? And then Hall gets involved. I just think there's a bit... like Bischoff celebrates for a very long time after the kick instead of just getting a pin or whatever. And you can put down the heel nonsense, but I think that's a delay of them going, okay, how do we transition to what the match was supposed to end like?
1: I double-checked the footage. I checked the tape. <laughs> to check your theory. Uh, Brett just like, he doesn't, he doesn't react as much when Bischoff is celebrating. So it doesn't look like they are communicating or, or coming up with something. So it, it just, it seemed like that, w- that was the plan finish, but fair either way, fair. like w- whatever, finally, finally, WCW pulls a fast one on the MWO. Like they it actually kind of makes MWO look dumb for once. Yeah. So I guess in, in that case, it, I thought this was actually kind of an enjoyable match.
0: I, I think it's well put together. So I, I criticize, um, the Goldberg match for being very poorly put together, considering there's so many professionals and like veterans in this company. I think this is very well put together for what Bischoff needs to achieve in this match and to get, you know, get one over Bischoff. Because I, I think he's a replaceable in these stories, but you have built up this comeuppance that he's working towards. And why not do it at Starcade? I think he is probably should have practiced his bumping for a bit longer, but he does have a big job in the company. So when they got down to the actual meat of Larry getting his offense in, Bischoff isn't doing a fantastic job then.
1: In fairness to Bischoff too, he's, his knee was pretty injured. Fair, fair. I had never seen Bischoff wrestle before, and I hadn't heard anything like positive or negative of this match. So I thought it was actually going to be pretty forgettable. It was just kind of like a fun comedy match, and I, en- I enjoyed it, actually.
2: My, my only issue with it is it's too long. They could have gone half the amount of time, still got in everything. And it would have been a lot more enjoyable then because you, they're just exposing Eric. The longer it goes, it's like there's only so much he can do. Why are you still dragging this out? Like,
1: right? It's just all for the Bret Hart involvement, which yeah. was not needed like to begin with. Yeah, we we had, we got to make sure that swerve is extra swervable, bro. Got to make <laughs> sure it's a better
2: swerve. He's been taking calls, I guess, from from Vince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if, if this match is like half the length, it's it's actually probably really, really good. But WCW seems to have a problem with like overindulging on any sort of celebrity match or NPC type match, any of those.
0: I think it could have been a lot worse. I, I will say, I'm not sure if it should be the second last match on the card. I do get it's for Nitro, it has actual stakes, which we like. But I think Diamond Dallas Page should be here. I think it's a match too late i think page winning the u.s title even though the match isn't amazing is a huge important part in his career i think it would give the u.s title more meaning you know you want wcw coming out on top of this pay-per-view and leaving with a bunch of the titles and a bit more of their dignity Uh, intact and
2: no i think i think the i think the run order is is right so in theory this match is meant to be a bit of a break you don't want to run two really important matches into each other this one would be short kind of funny get the crowd into it get them back in and work them down a little bit from DDP's win because that's obviously going to be more hard hitting and so on also it, the stakes for this are way higher it's a big deal
1: that and i i think what the problem with with kind of wcw at this point too is this angle it gets the most attention by far yeah. on nitro like Some. there's several episodes of nitro where Bischoff talks like two or three times and that's a that's a big problem with the Bischoff character i think Bischoff will say I did a good job. I had a lot of heat. That's why I did the stuff. But he took a lot of TV time to do it. I'm sure the other guys didn't appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that 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 is a big thing. Like, I am viewing Dallas Page as just, like, I know in the future how over he's going to be. I know later on they're going to have to rely on him and Goldberg as, like, the big stars and their homegrown talent. So I want to see Page higher on the card and have a more important finish at Starcade here. But I'm not watching the Nitros and Eric might just be so dominating of a personality on Nitro that he should be finishing the card here, be that good or bad. So, my opinion is definitely shaded by that as well. The last match of the night and of this Starcade. Second most important match we've ever covered. Maybe arguably the most important match we've covered on the podcast so far. The match a year and a half in the making. And one of the big reasons we're doing this actual podcast Hulk Hogan versus Sting, Starcade 1997. The match is infamous. The match is famous. Throw whatever title you want on it, but it's been a long time coming for us to review this match, and this this is the peak of WCW wrestling. This is long term booking that we only see in Japanese companies nowadays. So I can't complain about any of WCW's booking or character building or spotlight hogging because it's built up to this amazing Sting intro. This sting re-debut are you guys as excited as i am or were as excited as i was watching this first i was just because i've been watching all the nitros so get get this over with (laughs) yeah i was uh i was actually excited which surprised me like i know i knew the outcome of this match but i've never watched the match i've only ever seen the ending i don't know the reinventionist thing i think is one of the coolest things in american wrestling history i think it's really clever. I heard, I don't know if you guys can back this up, that it was actually Hall's idea for Sting to be Crow. Yeah, the Crow character. That's uh, that's yeah. the story that I've heard, yep. Yeah, so Hall's genius uh, shining through. Well, Hall's being able to steal from movies that other people haven't watched yet <laughs> shining through. And it it's still something that hasn't been done half as well. I know characters go off TV and come back with different gimmicks, but his actual changing in front of the crowd to build up the anticipation. I can't think of many angles in American wrestling history that like are on par with it. So I usually do a little breakdown of the match here, but there's way too much history for a guy that hasn't been watching the nitros to go into. I'm going to throw it to Connor. He's going to break down the rivalry between Hogan and Sting.
1: Oh boy. Are you guys ready? This is a lot to cover. I'm, I'm ready.
0: I've, I've had a drink already. I'm, I'm settled. <laughs>
1: The man called Sting. He does this. He does that. He's as big as a bull and as quick as a cat. So throughout the late 80s, early 90s, Sting was without a doubt the top baby face of WCW. Bleach blonde hair, colorful face paint, high-energy offense. Sting captured the minds of young fans culminating in his first world title victory over Ric Flair at the Great American Bash in 1990. A young, clean-shaven Nick Patrick happened to do the normal slow count for that match, funny enough. (laughs) So fast forward to the mid-90s, WCW brings in new top guys like the Immortal Hulk Hogan and the Giant. WCW would immediately cash in dream matches such as Hogan versus Flair, then eventually with Big Van Vader. And of course, in typical WCW fashion, Sting and Hogan would face off for the first time on free TV, a match that would end in a draw with the Dungeon of Doom hidden the ring. Did you guys actually notice that? I actually thought this was the first time Sting and Hogan fought.
0: I was pretty sure they had fought before I didn't know when I say I know I assumed because WCW are very into their face versus face kind of thing I always felt
2: yeah I kind of vaguely remember this because this leads on to the wonderful boat sketch right that's that period of wrestling oh yeah Hogan and staying on a boat and they get chased by the Dungeon of Doom with as part of them oh, yeah. oh, oh the sure yeah. yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what a time what a time <laughs> yep so after months of WCW Monday Nitro debuting on TNT, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash debut as outsiders from the WWF attempting the hostile takeover of WCW. Our 18-month of buildup began as Hulk Hogan revealed himself as the third man, declaring no New World Order in professional wrestling at Bash at the Beach. So Sting and Lex Luger would set aside their differences with the Four Horsemen, thus teaming up with Flair and Arn Anderson to take on the common enemy for War Games but the fourth member of the NWO was yet to be revealed. So we have Ted DiBiase would show up on Nitro, holding up the four fingers. Ted would reveal himself as the financial backer of the NWO though, giving the rogue group, the ability to air the famous black and white jump cut promos. And on the memorable go home Nitro to fall brawl, the first fake sting appears the first of many in this whole buildup. The NWO face sting would attack Lex Luger outside in the parking lot, leaving team WCW questioning Sting's allegiance to WCW. At Fall Brawl, the fake Sting would be the fourth entrant in War Games, and the real Sting rounds out Team WCW, clears house, Stinger splashes for everybody, Sting motions to Lex, is that good enough for you, is that proof enough? Sting walks out, Team NWO pick up the victory, leaving WCW in shambles, crawling for Sting's help. I, I always love that match. I, I liked it then, but even going back to
0: it right now, it was such a really cool moment.
2: It's good storytelling. Yeah, They're so rare at being good at, so...
0: It seems like everything Sting touched in this run-up has turned to gold.
1: Well, it goes downhill from here, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Except this promo, though. The following night on Nitro, Sting would cut a promo, feeling betrayed by WCW and his best friend, Lex Luger. The unthinkable had happened. Sting had turned his back on WCW, the company he carried, given his blood, his sweat, his tears, declaring himself a free agent. Sting would appear periodically on Nitro, of course, with a new look. Black trench coat, black and white face paint. We weren't sure that Sting has aligned himself with the NWO. Shortly after Fall Brawl on Nitro, Scott Hall asks Sting to join the NWO, claiming that there would be no stop in the group if Sting joined forces. WCW told Sting to stick it, but if you join the NWO, you're NWO for life. Sting dispatched the NWO Sting chuckling. You get what you pay for. The real Sting may or may not be in your price range. And then he speaks his famous... Final words in over a year, the only thing that's for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. More weeks would pass. Sting would watch from the rafters, occasionally leaving a bat for different wrestlers, testing their allegiance. Sting would randomly, too, just align himself with different parties week to week. One week he was with free agent Randy Savage, even coming to the ring with the NWO even teasing an in initiation into the crowded stable. Fast forward to uncensored 97. Sting shows his true allegiance to WCW by repelling from the rafters, laying the smackdown to all the top members of the NWO, of course, not Hogan. Sting pointed the bat at Hogan, though, thus beginning the nine-month build for Starrcade. I would still, this is probably the most, like, Mark Audi moment of the whole buildup. Like, I, I fondly remember that being probably one of the better moments of 1997.
0: It's got to be up there. It's got to be up there with one of the most iconic moments of a pretty iconic year or two of wrestling.
1: Well, especially because I think most of this buildup was based on Nitro appearances, and this is like the one big moment that we get on pay-per-view, at least for us. So I think that's why it stands out, at least going back in this podcast.
2: I've been momentarily sidelined because I'm going, wait, did they ever explain why Randy was with him? (laughs) Does Randy know something that nobody else does? Man.
1: Why Randy was with Are you say? saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is what, he was like blackballed like as a free agent. So they were both kind of free agents. They were both kind of loners yeah. at the time. So I'm, I'm guessing in kayfabe, like Randy's still hearing deals from both sides. So he hasn't chosen yet. So like, so okay. like come All here, brother, let's let's hang out in the rafters together. <laughs> yeah, let's just see.
2: where they both hide. Let's moat <laughs> and uh, recite really bad poetry to each other. Okay, brother.
1: <laughs> Yo, brother, I need some Slim Jims up here. They don't give me any food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, of course, for the spring and summer of 1997, Sting would appear in a variety of different ways, repel from the rafters, baseball bat to the NWO, baseball bat for everybody. Eventually, Sting would be able to repel DDP back up to the rafters. Of course, running out of fun ways to appear, Sting would, of course, switch it up. He would come from under the ring, but he would also deploy a fucking vulture to the (laughs) ring on the closing episode of Clash of the Champions, which was supposed to carry a note leaving the NWO Clueless having to sell a bird <laughs> just sitting them on the ring ropes. <laughs> you guys are so fucking lucky you didn't have to watch this atrocity. Uh, it's
2: the gift that keeps on giving.
1: It's in all the video packages, though, so I'm yeah. sure you've seen the moment, yeah, right? That, that's what
0: scripted yeah. wrestling needs, uh, an animal that might not obey you. That's definitely the right decision to make there. They should have gotten bats. They should just went full in and got them some bats. Surprise wasn't a scorpion, like
1: something 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 else like you think oh this bird's gonna carry the note to the ring R- right right <laughs> i mean i'm sure they could have actually found
2: a bird that is still like a homing pigeon of sorts whatever but like you
0: you can train animals to do it it's just that once they're in an the arena they're not going to react when there's so much noise the same way they do when you practice it with two people out there that happens so often interesting it happened with cody Recently, he keeps bringing his dog out. I'm like, why is the dog not listening? Because you're putting off fireworks, Cody. Is why the dog's not listening. For the love of God,
2: just think of like <laughs> the the cool stories we would have got out of the random like bird trainer dude who has to like who gets to dress up as a fake sting for that nitro, so that he can like plant himself among the NWO, so that the guy won't won't get lost on the way. Like,
0: or how how, how short the <laughs> wars would have been if it had taken out an eye of a front row member.
1: <laughs> It's it's dangerous, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of
0: stuff in this whole buildup. We've
1: had so many different stuns that were very dangerous. Yeah. So. And they've all gone fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we've had some mistakes along the way. We've had some very, um, let's say, awkward ending to Nitro's. But I mean, this is what people are tuning in for. So it, it makes sense. So Luger, of course, was the glimmer of hope for WCW, the best friend for Sting. He won the title on the 100th episode of Nitro, only to lose it one week later to Hogan. The NWO had the strength of numbers, of course, this whole time and continue their dominance on WCW. Then here come the fake stings. Oh, <laughs> Lord. So fake stings at Havoc, fake sting at World War Three. We had the Nitro with the, I don't know, it had to have been up to 18 or 20 fake stings on Nitro with the final reveal of sting revealing sting. Great
2: <laughs> That's not a typo, ladies and gentlemen. No, not remotely. No, it's not hyperbole either. <laughs> yeah.
1: no, this, is, this is true facts here. So WCW, they needed Sting, which prompted recently appointed commissioner J.J. Dillon to offer Sting contracts for matches with B members of the NWO. Eventually, the contract would lead to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. The contract would be eventually drawn up. The segment would air live during a commercial break of Hogan's made-for-TV movie, Assault on Devil's Island. Hogan was confident the coward Sting mm-hmm. wouldn't show, but the hoaxer was left shocked with Sting showing up at the last minute. The stage was set for Starcade. The the mannequin Sting repels from the rafters, and this stunt would not occur, not once, not twice, but thrice. This time around, the dummy (laughs) falls through the ring. On the final occurrence, the real Sting swaps himself in with the mannequin to lay out the NWO once again. And of course, on the go-home show of Nitro, the NWO would take control of Nitro. Eric Bischoff would throw a celebration giving gifts for Hollywood Hogan gifts include two motorcycles and a fucking replica ring of the WCW championship. Also a stretch limo with a hot tub sporting nitro girls and Brett, the hitman Hart. The final mystery gift was revealed to be a severed head appeared to be given by Bret Hart. The show would then close with sting zip lining off the top of the nitro set to the ring. (sighs) I know that was long winded, but that's, this is the (laughs) buildup. This is why we're here. This is why this show was so successful. 18 months, Hogan and Sting. They hadn't laid a single punch on each other, which I think is pretty impressive. Sting also didn't say anything for a year. And those two things are just unheard of in wrestling. I think that's impressive to say the least. And I think its we have to give some praise to WCW here for this. I just got to take a break. You guys respond any to, to the, that nonsense coming up here.
0: <laughs> Mostly my response is... Uh... Assault on Devil's Island. Oh, I've yeah, never man. heard of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm right away like
1: Dave. And like, oh,
2: a really bad film I need to see. It had a huge buy rate, brother.
0: <laughs> Shadow Warriors is its uh, full title. Shadow Warriors Assault on Devil's Island. And the uh, Carl oh, Weathers is
1: wow, sold. It does? Oh, I might have to, I might have to check this out. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm totally sold now. Yeah, I
1: mean, obviously this was a it was a ratings play. It, it obviously it worked. I'm, I'm sure it, it this did was work. A big, yeah, big moment. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a big moment in in WCW. So unfortunately, as you can tell from the retrospective, the last few months doesn't have much really thing. I mean, what do, what do you guys think of like the last couple months? Like, do you think they have enough story already, or is the last few months missing something?
0: I will defend their lack of story over the last couple of months. It is hard to keep doing stuff. I'm going to praise them for how long they kept this going. How long they stay? Like how many things have changed? We even talked about Macho's story basically changing a couple of different times because they didn't know what they exactly want to do with Macho. They knew they wanted Hogan. They knew what they wanted Sting at Starcade, main event. They knew they wanted that to be the first time Sting fought in a year, or even talked in a year, or did anything in a year. So I'm impressed that they stuck to it and the storyline here didn't change or only changed minutely over time. It is tough. So I don't mind them not using Sting too much over the last month to keep that like suspense there and to not burn people out on them. There, there were a few
1: other moments that they did use, but I'm, I'm going to bring up during the match. It, it, they're mm. very minor moments.
2: I think they ran out of gas. Like I, I do think they had the, good, the right story, but it just went that little bit too long. And so maybe they, they misjudged using certain things, but they clearly didn't have anything else at that point. And they were like, oh, we just need to get there and just have it finished. It is still a really, it's a really well done plot line for the most part. It has to be the best thing they've done, I guess, of everything we've watched, just with how effective it was in terms of how many people bought the pay-per-view, how many people showed up. The upswing in general.
1: And watch Nitro week to week. This is yeah. why they were winning the ratings war. It's this angle. It's it, That's it. <coughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not the other stuff that we've been watching. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: You think Disco Inferno didn't win the ratings war? Mm. Uh,
1: More on him later. <laughs> I, I have bones to pick about Disco later. Oh,
2: excellent. I, I, he was not on my list, but I have plenty of others. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they've, they've, they've hit the end of it. I mean, they definitely had blips along the way. But no, I, I think overall it's been good.
1: Well, as I, as I like watched more of the history, like I lo- I watched a lot of Sting matches before this because I did the the that promo package for Bash of the Beach, so I'm I'm very the the history of Sting like right before this is very fresh in my mind. 6 months before this whole angle happened, like Lex was definitely his tag team partner, his best friend. And that's how the whole separation started too. So I wish I wish they went full circle a little bit Like, Lex just has simple promo. Like, I'll be on your side, Sting. I'll be at ringside or something. Even just saying, I'm sorry, Sting. I know I've been a bad friend. Yeah. Can we put aside our differences to take down the NWO? At the same time, I think they have trip ups because Hogan, he doesn't really know what to say because all they really say is, oh, Sting's a coward my movie was better than yours. I couldn't find the movie that Sting was in at this point. Hulk probably just thinks he's in The Crow.
0: (laughs) I knew you didn't die, brother. I'm coming for you.
1: (laughs) So I I am pretty much let down from the past two months. That's why I'm just like, I'm eager to get it over. It it probably didn't need much. Obviously, I can armchair quarterback this whole thing, but I, I have to commend him. I think it was a great job overall.
0: I think it is less that they didn't do anything and more that hogan is still very one-dimensional yeah it doesn't it doesn't he help. has been his whole career so what can you do with someone that's not only that one-dimensional but has so much power over his own character and has never beside besides the turn obviously hogan's turn is fantastic but he does just quickly become a very similar character than he always was he knows how to do one thing in wrestling and he does that thing quite well but when something is called beyond that hogan's left wanting so it, this might be them protecting Sting a bit in that they don't want Hogan to ruin it. Or Hogan was burying him for months out. Either one could be either one could play. <laughs> I'll go with ladder. I'll either go with Ladder. Either one could absolutely play. Yeah. Buffer is out and he gives his usual long-winded introduction of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And I'm still not used to these guys. I I, I don't know if they haven't aged well or they were never good. Have you guys liked Michael Buffer introducing Hogan? He he's this weird combination of very complimentary in a very weird way. And he he doesn't bring this huge, booming excitement. He just has a big voice. He he doesn't emote with his big no. voice.
1: Especially for this. He, he does not yeah. care.
2: I don't know. I really liked this. I think it's in combination with the lights. The lights really work for me. Because it's like really like, okay, the only thing that matters is that it's the person that's coming out to the ring at this time. Maybe he could be more emotional, sure. I don't know. Yeah, it worked. Kind of got me in the mood.
0: That's very it could... It could It could just be wrong. I don't think it's a strictly bad thing. It just doesn't mesh with me. I I don't mind the idea of him being out there trying it, though. Champion out first, and he's out alone. No end-of-the-world cronies so far. And I like when he gets in the ring, he's straight in Nick Patrick's face. Just yapping to him, pointing at him. And I kind of like, if you're going to make Nick Patrick's allegiance part of the storyline... I think that hinges on Hogan interacting with him.
1: Yeah, do you think he told him something there? Little, <laughs> wink,
0: little wink wink, nudge nudge. As slow as you can, Nick. <laughs> as slow as you can, for the love of God.
1: I almost forgot to bring up too that something with the build up that Tony notes like the importance of the match going back to, you know, tradition of Star going back to nineteen eighty three, and I wish we had a video package. Like this is the time like you need something yeah. because you can't sum up yeah. I, I mean I summed it up, but you can see how much, how long that took and how yeah. much <clears throat> my voice is just killing me now b- for it. But
2: yeah, if you just imagine that they attempted some form of like, obviously it's not going to be on the same level as like the WWF things that we remember, like my way and whatever, but even if they attempted something, it would have been yeah, better. spliced
1: together, bash at the beach, fall brawl, uncensored one or two more repels, baseball, bad baseball, bad, like you're done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, you don't need anything fancy. It's just something to get me even more hyped for the match. I, th- I think that's another tick of uh, the utter loss of excitement I have for this match in the first minute. And we'll we'll go into it more as, as Sting comes out.
0: Sting's entrance, the lights are off, and we got creepy kids <laughs> talking about his need to fight evil over a laser show of scorpions and bat pointing. Do
2: you think anybody
0: was able to make that out? No. The, the, the problem is... So it's meant to be dark for the laser show, but they don't turn off all the lights in the stadium at any time. Just some. So the lights are interfering with it continuously.
1: You can't also, lightning sound effects galore. Too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the lightning is making the light the light show. It's, there, it's all the synergy, mm. synergy going on there.
0: <laughs> I've never heard faker sounding lightning or thunder in my life, unfortunately, which doesn't help. I kind of like the kids' creepy voices, though. It goes on a little too long. So eventually you can hear how... This sounds weird. You can hear the kids focusing on their dialogue and reading from a sheet. You know what I mean? Does that does that come across to anyone else? But yeah, a little long winded. But I like the idea they're going with here. I like the I like some build up, not just going into his entrance. Uh, and then we get the reveal of Sting to a little little bit of pyro. Not that much. There's been more pyro tonight already for other competitors. So why
2: does he have pyro? It makes no sense to me. Why does this man who supposedly has done yeah. whatever the fuck he wanted for 18 months cause yeah, I'll come out, but I'll wait for them to give me my pyro first. Hang on. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be your biggest gripe of this? He just walks out. No, that too. Yeah. Why? Yeah, you spent you spent 18 months with him repelling everywhere, and
1: he just comes out from the back. Oh. Your biggest show, you want your biggest reveal, coolest entrance, fans have been conditioned that this character can strike from everywhere. Even coming through the crowd would have been better. Oh. My, my, my dream entrance is I, I've been thinking about this. too. Uh, it's so cool. So all the WCW wrestlers are in the stands. Yeah,
2: if you if you haven't forgotten,
1: having them come to the ring with sting mask and wigs on. And then the real sting obviously comes from the crowd. <laughs> Same thing. The sneak gets the sneak attack. And that's your start of the match. It was so cool because it's like this visual re- representation. Oh, WCW, they have united. Here we go. And then WCW can stay out there to protect from the NW members.
2: Also perfect. It actually, like you're just pointing out, it would be nice to like remind people, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of fucking wrestlers in the, in the arena mm-hmm. that are just sitting in the corner that Sting never yeah. even looks it, at.
0: Another beat they immediately get wrong. During Sting's entrance, we get a slight fade over of Hogan reacting to Sting coming out. And instead of Hogan looking concerned or a bit antsy or clutching his title or something, Hogan immediately sees that the camera is on himself. And starts pointing at Sting and jaw uh, jawjacking with a crowd, and just being the complete nonsense heel he is. Oh, well, how cool would it be if the visual was like Hogan, a little bit Mounted Gate, being like balls. This is this is a lot, or whatever. Or
1: yeah, it's weird. He does that in Nitro and like throughout the buildup, but for here, yeah, it's a complete flip of character. It's it's kind of weird. I like it from a productional standpoint. It is a cool image. The they kind of dissolve back and forth. I I, I think one of the, the better parts of the entrance. But I, I can see your critique, though.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I think if Hogan acts in any way like this is serious, instead of the fucking clown he is for the match. And uh, this is a bit tinfoil hattie from the go, but I think <laughs> it is very clear Strap Hogan is not, is not that interested in putting Sting over here.
2: I, I wanted to point out something that really bothered me. It, this is at the beginning. I think it might be during the match as well, but... They go out of their way to start calling Sting the crown jewel of WCW. I'm like, he hasn't been around for 18 months, and all of a sudden he's the best thing in sliced bread. Now, now he's the best yeah. thing you've wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys.
1: Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I, I guess that's pulling from the you know that whole build-up I read like this. It's just like historically, this is the guy. He hasn't gone to the WWF. He's but he's been he's our star, our prize piece that we made. I guess. Yeah, it just I guess it just doesn't ring
2: true very well for me because. No, it falls flat. 18 months not saying that. I'm kind of questioning him all the time. It's almost like it never happened, you know, because it's WCW. Anyway, carry on.
1: <laughs> One thing I will say, though, like seeing Sting for the first time, and as I said, like I've seen so much footage of Sting before this that like, he's a big, rip dude, but here you can tell he is.
0: He's smaller. Yeah. Yeah, so there are rumors, and we should probably. Face him now a bit. Eric uh, said that Sting didn't enter ready. He wasn't fit. He wasn't looking good. He didn't have a tan, guys. He didn't even tan before this match. How dare he? So they they were concerned over Sting's performance. And Sting went through some bad years around this time. You know, drug, alcohol problems, self-confessed. So there is a possibility when he sat at home, instead of hitting the gym, he was hitting the sauce, unfortunately. I
2: mean, he's at least got good ring gear to hide it, so... I gotta be fair yeah,
0: maybe he just knew this was Zirin gear all along he's like fuck it <laughs> the gear no does, more does look me.
2: really really cool
1: yeah as yeah. like a reinventing your character this was this was brilliant for him
0: he just knew how good Vader was and he knew you just gotta pack on mass to be Vader you know no more of this definition now he does look great here there's this nonchalance about him and it's hard to pinpoint if he has a bit of apathy towards the match or that's his character work but either way it works for the character very well the match starts off with classic Hogan pushing and shoving and throwing the do-rag right into Sting's face. Sting uh, replies with a no-nonsense slap to the Hogan and the crowd eat it up. Every little thing Sting does, every little bit of offense, he gets the crowd are very into. Well, unfortunately, we don't get much, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> no. It's like,
2: yeah, enjoy the last, guys. Uh, got
0: to keep them sparse. You got to keep that crowd not cheering for some reason. Hogan brawls for the first bit of the match. Trash-talking Sting. Landing loads of blows. Sting rolls out of the way of an elbow drop three times, which it's such an old school, stupid, stupid spot, but I like it. And drop kicks Hogan to the outside for a massive pop. Nice, uh, he might be out of shape according to Bischoff, but nice height on the drop kick.
1: Yeah, he appeared a little gassed though at this point, so I don't don't know. I'm not sure who to believe. (laughs) He's a bit plodding,
2: is probably what I would say. There's not a lot of energy going on. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but. If I've been waiting 18 months to see this all conquering hero, the one thing I wanted him to see do is drop kicks and walking very slowly.
0: Hey, when Undertaker does it, we love him. They, they get boring, Chance, though. Yeah. I'm, I was shocked. Yeah. So it is very hard to tell for me who's telling the truth, whether it's Hogan's fault the match is boring or Stings or Bookings, because this looks like every other Hogan match we've seen so far. I keep repeating myself with this, but it is the same couple moves. It is acha acha cha, rest hold rest hold punch acha cha. Oh no, I cheated a bit, and now I'm ahead. Face cheats, some shenanigans end. That's been every one of the matches, and uh, yeah, it just needed to be more, even from the start. I think here.
1: Hogan, I don't know if we've really pointed this out as much that his offense, like it just doesn't work as a heel, really, and he just he needs to be more nasty, like he is on Nitro. Because he'll do like fun spots in nitro, like he Diamond Cutters, DDP, and the belts, and things like that. Like pay per views is like, nope, same old safe things, very boring. And it just seems like he just hasn't figured out like the whole his whole heel character, really.
0: He hasn't figured it out, or he's figured out that heels don't need to have good matches to to stay over where faces do. Maybe, maybe. solved it. <laughs> Solve <laughs> <Solved> the format. <laughs> Hogan tries to grind down Sting with a headlock when they're back in the ring, and Sting sends him back to the outside with another two drop kicks. You you gotta love the high octane drop kicks compared to those heelish headlocks that they're telling the story with here. Got that <laughs> one, guys.
2: Do do you think the two of them talked about the match at all before they went
0: out there? No. I I yeah, no. I think they barely yeah. talked. I think this is stuff you literally learn how to do in like day two or three of wrestling school. Faces do big, kind of flippy moves. Heels do headlocks and say shit to the crowd. Remember to make your wrestling noises, kids, because sure, howdy, does Hogan make a lot of over-the-top wrestling noises here? I don't know whether the camera, uh, whether the mic is on him for some reason. I don't know if they've turned up the mic or he's just close to it. But as as much as he always, like, like Foley, they always make lots of noise. He's making a lot of bizarre noises in this match. Is that just me? I think it's especially over-the-top for this one.
1: I don't think so.
2: I think it's pretty standard
0: <laughs> for him.
1: I think it stands out more too, just because staying is he's, he doesn't, he doesn't make any noise. He doesn't really yeah. make any expressions. Really?
0: Yeah. It might be stains change a gimmick to the silence. Uh, the right. guy
1: C- compared to something
0: like Luger. Luger is very, Oh, ow,
1: Ah, so there's, there's something to work off of. So that's probably why they had better matches. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, these two are not gelling
0: after Hogan gets cocky and taunts to the crowd. He suplexes Sting and Sting no-sells. It gets right back up, which I like about this quiet character. No, sit up, like, Taker Just literally as if he hadn't even bumped.
1: Yeah, great, great, great. And then he does a suck it. <laughs> yeah. Instantly gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so random. Like, oh,
2: I, I actually really didn't like this spot because of how badly they'd paced the match. Like, it's a cool spot, but it just makes no sense. And he's been like, consistently been beaten down by Hogan for a good four minutes and then all of a sudden he's like oh yeah this doesn't hurt me though don't don't worry about that i,
0: I wouldn't mind if it was consistent high octane beat down and this is his version of hulking up all of a sudden he's like enough no sell this. don't feel the pain go attack him we had to suck it completely brings you out of it i'm very glad they stopped doing that because it's stupid and just doesn't match anyone's character here and yeah it it doesn't help that all of hogan's offenses have been headlocks and a couple punches there's no big pop when hogan uh, when sting recovers from this because i didn't think sting needed to recover from this it's just been arrest holds and punches on the outside hogan domes sting with the bat for a dq the match is over at this point joking the referee does nothing The referee does absolutely nothing about the bat shot Hogan taunts Sting with a t-shirt that we... Ne- do you guys see it? I never get to see the front of it. He like grabs a t-shirt off a member of the crowd and shoves it into Sting's face.
2: I have to I have to guess that it's either an NWO shirt or a Sting shirt. It's one of the two. And um, Poor poor dude in the crowd. I hope he got the shirt back. <laughs> it's
1: one piece of character work that Hogan's pretty consistent with. He'll, he'll constantly... He, he would like to grab like Sting masks from fans and things like that. And signs.
0: That's tough to do. I'll give him yeah. that. I've seen a lot of wrestlers fail to grab signs. Not going to lie. Sting goes for the stinger splash on the outside, but eats nothing but guardrail, And he takes the bump pretty full on. It looks pretty gnarly. And I was concerned for the guy's rapes.
1: Yeah. Compared to Hogan, who like slowly steps into the rail. Great, great job.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there's a rail in my way. Oh.
1: I, I don't know what the deal with Hogan is. Like he sells for like how many people in this career? Like he sells for Goldberg. You can tell he just chooses when to sell. Yeah. And he is not doing that for Sting here.
0: So after this, you're expecting the match to kick up a notch, right? You think we're gonna go into full gear. This has been a bit of the feeling out process, and you'll give the old uh, old veterans a pass, they're gonna build up to a nice high octane finish. You'd be wrong. Hogan gets in the ring and hits the leg drop for a very normal tree count.
3: <laughs> you're not selling <laughs> you're not
2: even giving it the hard sell there, like man. It is so slow what happens yeah he like how does he get him on the ground he like he scoop slams him
1: no no he doesn't scoop slam him. he gives him an awful big boot oh he, big like, boot sorry no room because a really
2: really slow big boot and then he like jaws the crowd for a little while and then he does his like lazy run into the ropes and comes off with a really crap big boot leg drop sorry and then pins him He does kinda pull the tights a little bit, you know, just get it get it a bit healy, but it's a one.
1: It's like a perfect metronome too, it's like one, two, three (laughs) What? Sting down.
0: Did that happen? What's going on, guys? (laughs) I I, I timed it. He taunts for 15 seconds before going for the leg drop. (laughs) He big boots him and taunts for what's that? Like one, two, three, four, five times the amount of time it would take to pin him for the one, two, three to end the match before he hits the leg drop. That's insanity. That's almost Triple H, Booker T levels of fucking burying your face.
2: It's, it's, so it's way awful. worse, Dave. I hate breaks, too.
0: <laughs> he knows what he's doing as well. He knows every second of what he's doing. Because you're right, how slow he hits the rope. He puts no energy into it. What's supposed to happen here, there's a bit more to the match, and we'll get to that. But what's supposed to happen here is Nick Patrick is apparently supposed to fast counter really fast to let the fans at home know. Because Sting does kick out at four. It's a very weak kick out, but he does kick out at four here. I think to his own surprise that the match is over. Bret Hart gets out into the timekeeper's area and he gets on the mic and he says. Where
1: does he come from,
2: by the way? Yeah, he quite literally teleports, I have to say. Uh.
0: (laughs) I think he was there all the time, which spoils the ending a little bit as well, right? What's Bret doing here, if any of the fans noticed? And he promised this would never happen again. What would never happen again? A clean tree count in the middle of a ring, Brad? <laughs> yeah. Not with bread around, it won't.
2: He won't, he, won't let a, he won't let a timekeeper ring a bell again, apparently, is what he's brought with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knocks out Nick Patrick on the outside. And oh, then the best, the best Pratt fall you will ever see, by far.
0: There's someone had to sell something in this match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and then here he starts to match because he's a referee tonight, which means he can do what he wants, question mark. Commentary
1: is like, oh, spring the bell again. Nope, <laughs> none, none of that happens.
0: <laughs> he throws Hogan back into the ring after grabbing him, and Hogan does the pantomime. Oh, no, the face got me, and now I'm frozen with fear, I guess, to let him just let me roll, roll me back into the ring. And after some over-the-top dancing around, like, oh, no, sting's got me now sting gets to hit a stinger splash then that hogan like holds him in the corner because they he's obviously going to try and stinger splash him again but he has to wait for the nwo plebs to hit the ring sting no sells them and then dispatches of them as quick as they came out i think it's is it virgil and scott norton oh no it's buff and start scott norton it's not quick anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> it yeah. is awful. Like
1: the the punch that Norton gets, it's he like he kind of falls down and then it just rolls out of the ring. Yeah, Norton it's has not awful. started Scott, caring since. his Scott match. is not
2: being paid for uh, for emotion or or anything of that sort. Like you
0: haven't you haven't paid me enough for a third bump of the night. Get yeah. out of here! I'm going to roll out of the ring. <laughs> this isn't Japan. This isn't Japan. They don't care if I bump properly over here. Another splash by Sting, and then a Scorpion Deathlock, which looks much worse than what Bretton on Hall earlier. A new champion, but Hogan never taps. We don't get the visual of him tapping.
2: Well, it's verbal, apparently.
0: It's a verbal. Yeah, he, sh-
1: he shakes his head.
2: Yeah.
0: Because Hogan's not allowed to be seen to be weak. You can't use that on the replays. He politics this match from beginning to end, and it's truly disgusting that he can't just let someone else have the fucking spotlight. New champion crown, Sting, and WCW floods the ring from the crowd, from behind, and uh, they celebrate, which would feel like a bigger thing if the exact same fucking thing hadn't just happened with Luger recently, which I think makes this. Yep. Like, do they just do it every time a WCW guy wins the title, I guess? Yeah. yeah
1: that's it just true. makes
0: no sense. But, Dave, it's- the Lucha
1: guys are out here. La Parka <laughs> yeah. hugs him. La
0: Parka hugs him. <laughs> Ray Mysterio is definitely very drunk, sitting there on someone's shoulder with the biggest fucking smile I've ever seen on his face <laughs> in my life. Sting then shouts something and then "Mamacita."
2: Oh, it's all in Spanish. Into the
0: camera. What the fuck was that? Yeah, Mamacita. So I don't know the first two words. And I rewound it and couldn't find it out. But Sting single-handedly destroys the entire mystique behind his character <laughs> with one crotch chop and shouting "Mamacita." Like he's Eddie Guerrero in DX somehow, rolled into (laughs) one character. The face paint means nothing. It's all a lie. I fucking hate it every second of it. (laughs) Why did nobody
3: interfere?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why did nobody catch Virgil and Scott? Like, it's not like they're fast wrestlers. (laughs) I I was expecting, I was expecting like Ray or someone or Booker T to like body check them as they ran out to stop the finish, but instead, Sting just nose sells them and throws them out of the ring. Where's the rest of the NWO? Where were the NWO in the last match trying to persuade Brett for the most important match of the night?
1: You see, guys, Buff Bagwell is obviously the most important member of the NWO, (laughs) so that's why they come out for (laughs) a
2: match. And and Scott's already come out for Eric, so...
0: Macho, literally maybe the second highest ranking NWO member, came out for a three-man tag that means less than nothing that comes down to the right to bully Big Boss Man but he's not here for the world title match or control of fucking nitro.
2: Let's be honest. Macho man's already gone off and is doing all of the drugs and alcohol at this point. (laughs) Like he's like, I'm done. I'm not hanging around. See you later.
0: (laughs) We should, we should cover quickly some of the politics. As I said, this was supposed to be a slow count. And then a lot of this makes sense. I'm not saying I like the booking,
2: but it's supposed to be
0: a fast Sorry, It's supposed to be a very fast count by Nick. Very obvious fast count by Nick to leave no doubt that it's a cheat, and it's them using the screw job to you know Brett going no screw jobs will happen here on my watch, which I don't like as a storyline anyway. I think Sting should be winning clean with no shenanigans, but that's fine. Nick Patrick has reported over the years in multiple interviews that both sides kept petitioning for a different finish. The Hogan's side and Hogan's buddies would tell him normal count. We want a normal count. And Sting and a few of the other guys were saying, Well, it's, we've been told it's supposed to be a fast count, so Breck can come out. And it never got resolved. So Nick kind of washes his hands of it and went, I kind of did an in between count, or what seemed like an in between count to me, which it wasn't. It was an incredibly slow count. And that's just how the match went. He just made a call in the moment. And in fairness to Nick, it shouldn't be on him. No, not at all. It's like the screw job isn't really on Hebner. He's just put in a terrible situation. Nick is put in a terrible situation. This is up to Eric and Hogan. I don't think it's quite the same. I think Hebner no. knew a lot more than
2: Nick did, to be fair.
0: <laughs> yeah, that fair, fair. Uh, but still, probably sort of the lowest paid members of the roster being put in situations that completely shaped the company.
1: What? what, what how do I unpack this whole thing? <laughs> yeah, so where do you like, start? Like, Eric says one thing, and Sting says one thing, the ref says
0: one thing, and... But we've, we've gone with Nick Patrick's, which is just wipe his hand of it. We'll go with what Hogan and Eric say. And that's what we said at the start of the match. Sting wasn't in shape. They felt like they couldn't do this finish or blah, blah, blah. There's a lot more to that story. But I, my side of it is I think that that's BS. Because if you think he's not in shape and not able to have the title, why give the title to him at all? That is your call. Why make him, him, and Hogan and Brett and the ref all look mm. awful?
2: So you can't not give him the title. They I agree. booked themselves into a corner. Yeah, that's a non-starter. So you saying, oh, they they just don't give him the title? You can't do that because it's too late. Now they should have. There should have been plenty of um, points in time where they should have like been checking in on Sting and whatever. That's a whole different story altogether. Whether or not he was in shape, or whatever. One thing that did occur to me, which when Connor was mentioning it, that I hadn't really considered before, but probably has a bigger impact than I realized, is it's the first time he's wrestling as this character. It's one thing to be like, stand up in the shadows. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't say anything. Look cool. Beat up people. Great. He has a deadly mystique, whatever, but he's never wrestled as him. So he has absolutely no fucking idea what he's supposed to do. And I think that's why a lot of it falls flat because he's like, yeah I'll just be quiet and I won't really react and I won't do this or that and that doesn't really work when you're watching wrestling you want to see how people are engaged in a match the Undertaker kind of gets away with it because he's a giant massive dude who does things that a giant massive dude shouldn't be able to do but Sting is for the most part on a par with a lot of other guys so it doesn't carry across yet so he's not he's not bedded in with the character yet I kinda of get the sense that if we watch another when we watch another year's worth of him, he'll probably be a lot better with it. But that's not in his favour right now. So that's not helping. But if he's not in shape and he's not this and he's not that, well, you kinda of booked it all up to this point. You kinda of have to go through with it. And how Hogan doesn't think he's losing this belt and thinks that things should get changed, that should just shouldn't come into the equation at all. I'd be a lot more pissed off at Eric just in general for not making a decision and sticking to the plan.
0: If that's yep. what's happened. Oh, completely. that's fair. Yeah. I, I will, I will say what, what, what I was kind of trying to get at because Eric's and Terry's excuse are, Oh, he's not in shape. We had to do something about it. This is the worst possible what you could do about it. There's a lot of things you could maybe petition for him to get the title taken off him fast. You could try and make Hogan look strong and defeat to an extent, but burying both brett and sting and making a very confusing non-entertaining end to your pay-per-view and let's face it these kind of ends to pay-per-view are gonna hurt your bottom line are gonna hurt your buy rate as time goes on doesn't make sense there's lots of things he could have done i think there are a lot of things hogan does in the match to not make himself look that bad i think screwing with the ending is possibly the worst way to go about it it is a bad piece of politics and it's terrible wrestling.
1: Yeah, and that's that's where it really falls on Eric. He says on his podcast several times that he likes to defer to the guys that have more experience, especially when he says coming up with finishes. Like, dude, you're the boss, you yeah. have to step in at some point. Just doesn't matter if Hulk Hogan's the most experienced, like he shouldn't be allowed to obviously that's in his contract, whatever, but <laughs> there's a reason why that line of thinking is
0: not yeah. good. Also, it's not a finish, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, easily it's for me to say that. Looking back on this, like, yeah. I'm sure but at I'm, the time he just he didn't know that, and his headspace was just all wrong because he was basically just being brainwashed by Hogan.
0: Yeah. Also, yeah. Th- that's the big thing. I wouldn't mind if this was two conflicting finishes in the sense that one of the finishes is Hogan maybe getting cheaply beaten to an extent, because like, this is beyond being cheaply beaten. This is tricking the other people into the match, talking stupid, because Brett has to intervene. Brett has to assume it's a botch and continue with his story arc. Yep. And Sting has to win the title. They don't, don't have an option. They can't change it on the fly. So I think this is less about Sting being out of shape and Hogan just being bitter because there's nothing good that can come from anyone in this. There's no way the company comes out looking great. There's no even way Hogan comes out looking great. He looks like a chump at the end of this, but it damages maybe Brett the most, which is, I think, not yeah. I, I think not he, I think
2: Hogan good. comes out okay. <laughs> Because he gets to say, like, hey, I beat you fair and square and you guys had to do it. And, like And
1: that's what he says on the following night. On of, course like, yeah, of course he does. Like of course he does. does. Of course because
0: he does.
2: <laughs> it's the worst thing. Like that's the thing you want for heel is you want him to have something that he can say and you go, you know what? You do actually sound correct. Now he is one hundred percent correct in this spot because he's arranged so that this whole duping process has taken place. Like I mean there's no way he hasn't influence people enough to get this spot i still blame eric moore for it because he's the boss he's the one that should be over this whole thing and i get i i understand some people have styles where they like people to work and trust your employees and that can work very well for morale and stuff like that but if something hasn't been done there has to be a point where you go well this is what what is going to happen and that's just it
1: Right. Well, him, him saying that like, well, Sting is going to win. That's it. That, yeah. that was like the only piece of feedback you would give, which is, yeah, it's bullshit because they, they knew it going months into it that that was going to be the finish. Yeah, so You have to think you would a week ahead of time. Think of some some possible finishes.
0: Yeah, the, there's no way. Like, there's no way to end this match in any other way. But Sting winning. I've seen also a couple of good arguments for the match is way too long. The match should just be a squash like hogan maybe being on top for two minutes then sting just completely blowing up hogan is ha- actually how you make sting then hogan can go like on the back burner for a while and you have him feud with other you know nwo members haven't beat up macho for a couple months or something you know yeah I Hull, don't, sorry hall is obviously next in line
2: i don't think yeah i don't think the, the actual length the amount of time because it's it's not a long match when you no put it in perspective with the rest of pay-per-view it's They just completely misjudge the pace and that's why they get the boring chance because he doesn't get any sort of explosive start from the get-go. He doesn't get to be like the hero that's finally come down to make up for all the fuck-ups and everything that's happened to WCW. He just kind of starts, immediately gets sidetracked by Hogan, who then pulls him into a really slow, drawn-out heel work, work rate. And that's why everybody's like, oh, come on, this is shit. Like, this is not what I paid to see. Like, been 18 months you would think that he'd have more energy than this
1: (laughs) oh for sure i think pace is one thing another reason why i want my dream entrance type of thing i want the two groups there at ringside because these you know if sting can't if he's out of shape and he if he's if, if you can't rely on him to work then we should have nw members and wcw members trying to do some bullshitty things better hogan matches i watch sometimes like he they have a bunch of Gaga, if you will, or just just a lot, a lot of crap going on. And this match definitely warrants it. I think.
0: But there's examples of this now, like Hunter and Sting a couple of WrestleManias ago. If both men are out of shape and can't wrestle a good match, complete smosh. Have like a couple minutes of actual wrestling, and then NWO is involved for five minutes. and WCW fights them off and have the cameras focus on that for like ten minutes. I don't know.
2: Just imagine it, like to further what Connor saying, Like just imagine it as a lumberjack match, essentially. So you literally just surround the ring.
1: Yeah. So even the match I was I, I referenced earlier, the Great American Bash 1990 with with Flair, they had like lumberjacks protecting the rampway so the four horsemen couldn't get involved as well. So that was ba- basically a similar type feel that this this match could have used. A, a big problem with me too because they they want to do the screwjob finish, but why not do it right though? Like so, why doesn't Hogan do the sharpshooter? <laughs> yeah. It even makes sense because Sting. Has the same finisher. Yeah. And Patrick called for the bell. Like, nobody can
0: screw that up. That
1: one's easy. That's on the timekeeper.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only thing that the result of this match is, is Hogan not only not wanting Sting to be on top, not wanting anyone else to be on top. He wants to be the only one that looks at all decent coming out of not only this match, this pay per view, like maybe only Eddie Guerrero besides him looks like a competent human being after this pay per view because of this finish. And, we could book a better match and better finish to this match in five minutes of just throwing some ideas around. So it is it is very self-serving by him. So now Sting, and Sting's credibility end up ends up being so good, jumping ahead a little bit here, it ends up being so good it doesn't matter. Even Sting said that in interviews apparently a while after this. So everyone gave their like version of what happened, and Sting went, I don't know what happened. I don't care. It didn't hurt my character. So, fair, fair, fair dues to Sting. He doesn't keep chips on his shoulder for this kind of stuff, but it could have. It could have made the Sting character completely not work, and maybe he's a little lucky that it found its feet. Brett's character didn't work after this, and I think it's a really big reason why. So, he came into the company, and to no one's real fault, the previous match isn't fantastic, and they have to maybe, maybe I believe they might be messed around the end a little bit, or at least it wasn't executed perfectly. So he, he's already coming across a little weird from that match, but he's still the hero. He still helped WCW. And then he comes out and looks like a complete bitter dick during this match. I won't stand for referees doing their job around here when the result isn't in my favor. Restart the match. How, where's Brett supposed to go from there?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's nowhere. It'll be interesting to see <laughs> yeah. what what, what <laughs> the Sting character is like after this. Because yeah. yes, Sting says, that I, I don't have a problem with it, but I know people have... Have bad memories of where Sting goes from now. Obviously, in the Wolfpack, that we're gonna we're gonna see quick in early '98.
2: Can we pull in the other person who comes out of this, probably looking pretty decent? Who's that? Well, it's the hardest working man in WCW. That should be enough to let you know.
0: Is it? Is it Scott Hall?
2: You're close though. It's Kevin Big, Nash. Big Kev Nash, right? Big
0: Kev, Big Kev Nash. Yeah. Big Kev Nash. Avoided has, taking
2: the loss. Appears to have nothing to do with any of this debacle. He's not on the show. Yeah. He's not backstage scheming around or anything like that, and he's just he's just injured or whatever it is, and I'm I'm sure he used that to great effect going forward.
0: So yeah, he never had to lose the giant, which apparently he was going to. Didn't have to be there for the W uh, for NWO's quote unquote worst night. They lost most of their matches. I think WCW have all the titles at the moment, right? Yep. Yeah, they got they got the US back. They have the tag team championship. So this is like the triumphant night. This is the year in the making. WCWR back in control and that had nothing to do with it. Well, I my heart blew up I couldn't be in there. I'll be fine to work next week though.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 see some dissension coming up pretty quick. I thought it was a slow grind, but it, it comes pretty fast. Yeah. But yeah, this this just this show is just it's such a disappointment. This match is it was so bad. Like I knew how bad the finish was, but I didn't know how bad this match was too. Like I, I assumed it was gonna be like somewhat competent because I've seen so many sting matches now is so athletic. He's so charismatic. Obviously, he pulls it back for this character, but it's just its just not there right now. And I don't know if that's just, yeah, lack of um, characters just gelling, or I don't know. I'm not sure what else it could be.
0: I, I think Gus has got it down. I, I think there's an element of Sting knows what his old heat spots were, and he has no idea what they should be now. The no-selling thing kind of becomes his trademark, but he does the shout at the end of it, or he does the point. It, he becomes this weird kind of energetic wrestler, but only in small doses. So he's very stoic, but when he does his spots, they're high octane, they're energetic. They get the crowd going before bringing them a little bit down again. I think that's kind of the essence of Sting in the next couple of years and you don't see anything close to that here, I think. But Sting did have a year. Like, they knew this match was coming for a long time. So even if only six months out, they were certain about it, he had up to a year to get this character right. And he couldn't come up with two or three heat spots.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's to everybody is to be blamed here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, b- besides poor Brett, who just went out and did his job right. again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> again, Brett just walks to the ring, follows exact instruction from everyone, and gets absolutely fucked. Brett does not recover from this. Brett does not recover from just being the random WWE guy that got screwed, that doesn't feel like he belongs in the NWO, that doesn't feel like he belongs in WCW. The screw job follows him around until Goldberg kicks the head off his shoulders it's kind of it from this point form,
2: and that, my friends, is the biggest WCW pay per view of all time. So everybody got to see it. Is it sad?
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it should be the the crowning achievement of what you've done and achieved over the previous year and a half, two years since you started this whole angle, and all you got was a big wet fart. Essentially,
0: geez, yeah, all right. and. I never thought they were this bad. Like the whole reason I did this pay-per-view is because I didn't believe all the WWE propaganda. I'm like, I have to see it for my own eyes because not all of it can be this bad. And a lot of it hasn't been. And a lot of what they promote has obviously been to make themselves look better in comparison looking back. But this is just as bad as everyone, if not worse than everyone has made it out to be. Let's refresh this a bit. Let's get off this match. We've talked it to absolute debt. We're going to look back at the year, the beautiful year you guys have been listening to us, and ask a couple questions about it. After that, and after talking about what absolute bollocks the wrestlers in the ring were, who is your least favorite wrestler, or who is the most overrated wrestler of the year? They, they can be they can be different things. You can mention someone that's overrated and someone you've disliked that we discovered this year, or they can be the same the same thing as well. I don't mind that.
1: For overrated or somebody that I haven't liked. I'm actually going to go with the Outsiders. I think in 1997, they were complete shit. It was a Scott Hall show through and through. Kevin Nash had maybe two good promos. Other than that, this was just awful. Their feud with the Steiners was just terrible. Obviously, Nash getting hurt didn't help the payoff for that match, but that, that whole angle just went way too long. The outsiders, they're the biggest thing in the company in 96. So I'm very disappointed with how the Outsiders have been.
2: Yeah, they really, um, they really maximised their potential <laughs> and earnings. I, for I, ha- I had, a couple. I mean, we haven't really seen them too much, but considering how long the leader of said group has been in the company, I really have not liked the flock at all.
1: Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it
2: was pretty, pretty obvious. To be fair, uh, I haven't, I haven't enjoyed Perry Saturn's matches at all. I don't like how they're trying to do the story. Now, some of that is obviously there's there's obviously something else going on because like having him sit around for four months or whatever it is, it's just it's too long, full stop. Six months, yeah. It just can't (laughs) that can't be what he intended for. But when they have been there, it hasn't really paid off in any real way. Matches have been great. I'm still, I don't know what it is, but Malenko just still isn't really panning out the way I thought he would maybe I just remember him being better than he was or whatever, or I don't know. Yeah. He just seems to be falling flat as the, as that whole grouping of people, like that grouping of radicals. If you want to, if you want to call them by that again, do you
0: think, do you think, cause I'm agreeing with you the more what you see about Dean. The first I didn't the first time you mentioned it, but I'm agreeing with you more. Do you think Dean's a bit of his time? So when you saw him at the time or like a couple of years ago, you'd be like, yeah, he's doing more than the average wrestler of this generation. He is, a bit ahead of them and now it's kind of left them way behind
2: it's not that because all his peers are really good like it's eddie and chris and chris are certainly better than him already yeah, that's where he has so little emotion and ability for character building that it just doesn't seem to play out at all so maybe it's all built off of the fact that jericho kind of drags it out of him next year is what i'm remembering more now more than anything fair fair it could just be his style in general as well that I just don't click with. Like, it's, it's too methodical.
1: You know who PWI chose as their number one wrestler? Was it him? Yeah. Fucking D. How, how is he the number one wrestler? How is he over Eddie? From that year? Wow. Look it up. Wow. I'm surprised it wasn't a WWF
2: wrestler. Like even. Every
1: other year, it's like champion, 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 yeah. champion, d This This has to be a mistake. Every time I look yeah. at it, it doesn't make any sense. Mitsaru
0: Masawa is number two. Number two. Wow. Uh, he li- Masawa loses to Dean. Get out of here. Get the... <laughs> D- Dean was up there with me, and it's not because he's the worst. It seems a little unfair to put him here when I've hated so many people in this company. So many people in this company. <laughs> he He's just bad for what, like, for Rester of the Year. Like, I'm joking a little bit, but, like, Masawa is number two to Dean. That's lofty. That's big. The, the generation-defining wrestlers around him at the moment. And he's being held that high.
1: I can think of like five easily off the top of my head. Like Sean, Brett, Undertaker.
0: Dragon's been great. Dragon's, Dragon's been, been
1: absol- great. Awesome. Austin.
0: Austin, yeah. <laughs> Austin's like, there's so many people who've had good years. Even in this company, there's a pu- couple people. Like I don't know how you could put him over Eddie. Maybe or every D- other DDP match. Was, or something, yeah. Or D- how can you put him over DDP. Like I know they push that story down your throat, but he was a manager. He's so old with this beginning. He had such a good rivalry with we Savage. Maybe it's not traditionally good wrestling, but it's certainly still good wrestling. I think mine is going to have to be. Um, it's it, it's Buff. It has to be Buff. Aww. I think because good good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I I think again I give Buff a hard time. He isn't the worst. He has got his he has got an element of his game down. But I was always told, you know early career buff is better than you think, Dave, you know, don't think of him as that guy that got kicked off raw because he was so bad. Think of him as, you know, when he was younger, he was more like he's better. I'm like, he had one good match, one, sorry, one passable match so far that I've seen and the rest has been hard. He's like, at least Hogan has the excuse of being around since the dawn of time to not take a bump. Why the fuck isn't Buff taking bumps, you know? Am I
2: wrong in saying that he's already had the neck injury?
1: No, it hasn't happened yet. Oh,
2: it hasn't oh, happened. Okay. okay even
0: worse. On. I thought he was wrestling yeah. injured.
2: Because I thought what he had hell? multiple neck injuries, and this is after the first one. Um, but either way, I, I, it's definitely, definitely not, the, not the
1: big one. Yeah, not it's, the it's big definitely one. not
2: the, the early part of his career, Dave, anyway, to be fair. Because he's been wrestling since the like late 80s.
0: Yeah, he's been in the alphas. And so, but I, I was told that he had a decent singles run, and maybe that's to come. Maybe he did an upset. Maybe he gets used to working a different style. But so far, I've dreaded his matches.
2: His whole shtick is, is purely based on his character, his ability to get across his character.
0: Honorable mention to Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I almost I forgot he existed. <laughs> Who only didn't make it because I didn't anticipate on him being good anyway. At no point did I ever believe that anyone called him good because I got to watch him in TNA when he got that main event matches with people like flipping Kurt Angle and still made them look like absolute hot shit. <laughs> So I couldn't believe that at any stage he was doing well. And to the extent where I don't know what Booker's seeing him. I don't know what Booker goes. That incredibly bad match is what I want on my show. Give him the big money. He's over. Those, listen to those guys. Boo at that face. He's over. Get him into our company, you know? I don't get it. I just don't It's like
1: it. a lot of things with 1997. There were so many things I blocked out of my mind. Jeff Jarrett's on the top yeah. of the list.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I Looking back through the to year of the pay-per-views, I was like, man... There's so much shit in here that I have to trawl through. It's just, you have to get forget so much of it to get through.
0: We are going to keep it negative. I know we usually go negative, positive, but I want to keep all the nice positive stuff at the end since we've had such a big block of negativity. What was your least favorite pay-per-view to review this year, Connor?
1: Oh. So, <sighs> sold out obviously the cop-out answer. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that show was at least fun to talk about and make fun of. So yeah, I agree. It's definitely like the one A, but you have to. I have to come up with a one B.
0: I can never completely curse people for trying. It was bad, but it was an attempt at something new. Yep, for sure.
1: i had to look up what happened like this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the, that was the what worst. happens on Slambery and Great American Bash. I mean, apparently we reviewed those shows. I don't remember them, <laughs> so I'm just gonna go with one of them. I'll just say Slambery. I, I can't tell you what happened. Is is that the Kevin Green one? I don't remember. It is it's it gonna is be real
0: funny, Kevin. It is or, Kevin Green. In the or that might event.
1: be DDP Savage 2. I can't remember which one is. not American boss. It, it, okay. it is
0: Piper Flair Green. Against oh, M. Yeah, M. yeah. Yeah, that one. That one. That one's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it has the only maybe redeeming ma- match in that one is Mang Benoit.
1: Yeah, Meng has some good matches. I can't remember. One of them has a really. It has like that awesome Ultimate Dragon Regal match that like, came out of nowhere. That,
0: that's this one. Yeah. Damn!
1: See that that one's such a good match, so
0: it's hard to hard to choose. Those two are redeeming, but like Mang Megan Benoit also wasn't great. We just liked it.
2: <laughs> this is mad funny.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'll stick with that. Slambery. So yeah, I I also went with Slambery. This is the one that I I just it's all the football players. It's Just there's just too much randomness in it, and I'm just like it has Ray's worst match of the year. I think.
1: Yeah, because yeah, that's the random jap
2: guy from from uh, War.
1: Yogi, it's U G actually. Yeah,
2: Yasra Awoka, I think. I, I don't know, uh, but, but yeah, it's not very good anyway. Um, there's also the the very short run of Luna Vashon. I'd forgotten she was she was even in the company. But Luna was on the show. Did that
1: match ever happen? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because 1997 it was pretty much the erasing history of women in the company because the the other women that we had like going into the end of 97. Deborah, she's gone end of the 97. We yeah, had Jackie, she's gone now. There's pretty much Miss Elizabeth is like the only woman in your company. Yeah. And she just does nothing anyway. So it's 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 such an odd time.
2: Like this pay-per-view has it all. This has Jeff Jarrett is on the show in a not very good uh, Dean Malenko match. There's a Glacier Mortis match on this I'm show. Okay match. Like it's just it's full of utter nonsense. Hogan isn't on the show at all, so they have to do the the six man tag with Kevin Green and Piper and Flair and Reggie White in a way too long match against Mongo. Like it's just, let's just completely meander for a month. Somebody's disappeared for a while. We don't know what to do. Let's just put in whatever. Like sold out is definitely the worst from a like, Oh my God, this doesn't work. But at least they were were trying it. I I completely agree with you guys. They were trying to do something. And I can at least give them credit for that. Whereas Slambury is just lazy.
0: I think I got you guys topped. I think the issue is a lot of times that Eddie Guerrero or Ray or Ultimo Dragon kind of saves it because they become like one and a half match cards. You know what I mean? I think this one is maybe the worst of the year. Super Brawl. So the Which main one, event, <laughs> yeah, the main like, event is, is Hogan Piper 2.
1: Oh, so this is the Alcatraz one. No, I no, like that one's fine. I nearly thought that was one of the best ones.
0: It's very campy. I liked it. Yeah. I think that main event is awful. I think Lex Luger <laughs> and the Giant beating the Outsiders, but like not keeping the titles afterwards. And then Ray, who usually saves these matches, is in there with Prince Iakea.
1: Oh, man. I forgot about Prince. Oh, boy. The best
0: match of the night is genuinely... Conan, La Parca, and Villano. You you would
2: say that. You would say that.
0: (laughs) It's against Psychope, Kahlo, and Guerrera. Guerrera. So I think that's the worst, but the problem is it's just like flat bad. There's no like super notable, unwatchable. It's just straight mediocrity thing.
2: I think I didn't consider that one because there was an actual world title match. I think that's what was bothering me so much. It's like.
1: (laughs) I thought it was okay, because storyline was actually, it moved on that show. that's that's what I'm trying to say, is, like, something was happening. Randy turned heel in that show, so I was like, okay. Even though the turn was, like, shitty, but it was still something that happened that was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Some of the last couple we've done, looking back at it, are all one show, one match shows, sorry. They're just redeemed by, like, a good early card, and how the hell did we get through all these in a couple Couple months, but yeah, anything with Kevin Green was quite awful. Unfortunate for Big Kev. It's not like his fault he's being asked to do wrestling matches as a football player. Uh unfortunately I'm right up there with Connor. The outsiders don't do any favors, so usually they should be highlights. <laughs> These are the young guys getting paid all the money and they're just so lazy. They just refuse to do anything in the ring and why would they have to? They're getting such good pops and they're not hurting themselves by doing it, you know? We'll do the last negative one. We'll do this one a little faster on the same vein. Worst angle of the year.
1: I went with Disco losing to Jacqueline. <laughs> Ooh, good call. <laughs> Never want to even consider that. It's even worse on the nitros now because all the guys are making fun of him for losing to a girl. Disco like is all complaining about that. And he's still kind of gaining the acceptance from the crowd. We didn't really even mention that on the pay-per-view on the show earlier that Saturn doesn't have the TV title. She lost it back to disco. (laughs) Just an awful angle. It was just completely useless. If like, this is where we're going to go with the character. Like why do that? It makes no sense. It was better for Jackie. Anyways, they just wasted her. She just, she just left the company. Anyway, well, I'd I'd like to think she did better things in the WWF at least. Another another consideration for Lee's favorite angle of the year is the whole brand split of the NWO. I don't know why Eric Bischoff thought this was a good idea. He thought maybe it was a good idea for sold out. They tried it, it failed, but he was definitely considering it going into the end of the year considering Thunder was going to become a thing.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like it. It also cuts off, as much as we get oversaturated with 20 different types of NWO, it cuts off parasterals within the NWO, I think, a little bit. This doesn't make sense. I, yeah, I, it doesn't. So it doesn't
2: really make a lot of sense. Plus, you'd have to. Then you have to have more people in that group. Oh God!
1: And then what, what? What? What happens? NWO wrestlers wrestle NWO wrestlers.
2: Yeah, it's just. I guess you get the, all the factions, is, which is what happens anyway. Just on their own show. Yeah. Okay, I got mine. It's the absolute destruction of the tag team titles. With mm, good one. Uh, how. Nash and Hall just managed to avoid losing them to Steiners until it's way too late, and it doesn't matter anymore. Where are they going to go from there? Who knows? Because they don't give a crap about the division at all.
0: That, that was that was one of my top ones, if you guys hadn't taken it, was that slash dismantling of an all-time great tag team and the Steiners were giving them absolutely nothing to do with relevance. But then I think mine is going to be... Uh, there's so so many stables dismantled because they all seem bad compared to the NWO. And picking any one of them would be fine, but let's go with the legendary horseman. The mistreatment of the horseman this year and last year, you could have picked this last year as well. But especially like the very end of like Sullivan versus Benoit, we covered at the start of this year, technically. And that, oh my God, it went on for like seven months too long. So again, you could have picked it for last year's. List. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if one of us did, but we still got the stench of it, of the the glory matches Sullivan got to have by being a good guy, by hitting the woman at the end. Hasn't aged well, probably wasn't good even back then. Awful.
1: Yeah. So let's fire, let's fire through the least favorite match then.
0: Jacqueline against uh, Inferno. I know you chose that as a storyline, but that has to be the worst match of the year.
1: Yeah, that's up there. Uh, I went with Piper versus Hogan. I just felt embarrassed to watch that abomination because <laughs> right zero there. logic. At least the Disco facing Jackie, they had a logic. It was just stupid logic. Yeah, so fair. I'm going with I'm going with that one because <laughs> right somehow we haven't mentioned Piper. Yeah, yeah, Piper is one of uh, the worst things yeah. uh, that we've covered. Worst
2: yeah, yeah it's the Piper Piper Hogan match in the cage. That was it's just so bad on so many levels. From all the masks and all the bullshit and Randy nearly killing himself and There's nothing redeemable about that.
0: Yeah, honorable mention to this main event, but maybe a bit too fresh for me to say the worst of the year. Let's let's end today's episode on positives. Guys, who was the most underrated wrestler of the year, person you most enjoyed and discovered during the cast? So I gotta give
2: an honorable mention shout outs to three people before I give my real pick, which is Big Kev, Scott Hall, and Sting for making so much money for doing so little over a calendar year that that is truly underrated in their ability to get avoid taking bumps so big shout outs for them but i'm actually going with an nwo member i didn't expect to pick him but when i was thinking about it because i figured one of you might just pick ddp and i'm not even sure he's underrated anymore from what we've been watching but i've been really surprised by randy Mm. yeah i really thought randy was going to be a lot worse than what he was And he's actually been fine. He always puts in good work. He gives a good effort. And he's a big part of DDP getting over. I don't think Paige gets there without him. So I think he actually does a really, really good job. And he seems to, anyway, not be politicking and being a dickhead backstage, anyway, for as far as we can tell, at least. So he's been, like, kind of ticking over and doing kind of the good work to kind of keep things going. So yeah, I think I think he's been my my most underrated.
1: Yeah, that's good that's a good pick. I actually yeah, I actually did pick DDP, but I actually thought of somebody else. I, the reason I originally thought DDP, yes, yes, Randy helped him, but him able to rise above the the darkness of the NWO of him still being able to get over like in such yep. a big way that he did, I think is such a huge accomplishment that I think like nobody could really do. But I guess somebody that I was going to go with, I have to go with my boy, Six, X Pac. I, th- I think looking back when he left, when he got hurt, I, th- I think the NWO really, really, they really started to lack. And having somebody to wrestle in the cruiserweight division, but also just a small guy to get some heat on. Because like when he left, it's pretty much, oh, who are we going to get heat on? Vincent? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> Bischoff? Sure. Whatever. I, I thought Six brought a little bit more prestige to the little shithead role that I think the NWO is sorely lacking right
0: now. Yeah, I, I was actually, my, my main answer, if one of you guys hadn't picked, was going to be six, and I think it's because I... uh Yes, I got him! <laughs> well, it's because I think my opinion of him was so low, and others' opinions are so low of him because of quote-unquote X-Pac heat from WWF that he is genuine good heat here. This isn't just because of outside-of-the-ring stuff or him being a bit of a sleaze or whatever, no offense to... To Sean Waltman, but it is genuinely he is one of the nastiest characters, and you really want one of the faces to get a get their hands on him. And he he's delivered decent matches. He is not just rested on the NWO being over, right? He's actually delivered fine matches. And I, I do miss him. But my answer one one quick honorable mention is my boy Scott Norton. If he continues <laughs> not giving a fuck about what he's doing, I would enjoy the little bits of work we get from him immensely. Uh, if he just continues not giving a single fuck about the product. Nice. My answer, I think, is Steve Regal. We've seen oh, him yeah. very seldomly. Yeah. He is very old school and maybe to the extent where he's pantomime-ish at times. But the dude just gets wrestling. He just gets it. He's just great. And he gets his job done every time. I, I really like Regal.
1: Yeah, even when he's been, you know, doing some drugs, he still manages to <laughs> yeah. perform.
0: Yeah, and I, I've watched big, long interviews with him now where, like, he's growing up and he just wanted to be one of the bad guys making faces at kids and making them react. And it's exactly what he goes out there and does. And he makes it sound so simple. He just pulls strange faces, acts the dick a bit, and makes kids hate him. And he's he's just following his passion. Okay, favorite pay-per-view to cover? What's our, your favorite episode of ours this year?
1: Well, I was talking with Gus. I, I, w- I wish we could say Canadian Stampede. I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. we can. I mean, <laughs> well, technically, we reviewed it for the podcast. So. And it was that year as well. It yeah. was that year. <laughs> and it was legit the best show of the yeah. year. That's, I think it's pretty unanimous That's like it's one of the best pay-per-views of all time. There's a lot of good WWF ones. There's a lot of bad ones, too, but there's some really good ones. But I'll stay on theme with the Stampede. I'm going to go with Spring Stampede because it's just the most memorable show with DDP beating Savage. And we get the delicious Booker botched promo.
2: Oh yeah, I hadn't considered that actually.
0: No. Oh, I forgot that was this year, yeah. Uh how about you guys? Do you have a
2: favorite episode of the year? So yeah, it's funny when um when Connor brought it up earlier, because I actually really enjoyed Great American Bash, as it turns out, going back no. through it. So again, like has a really, really good opening match with Psychosis and Ultimo. It just has some reasonable things in it. Like again, there's it's probably the better benoit meng match where they have another death match and it kind of i think is good and uh the main event of ddp and savage where they go off into the picnic area and stuff so,
1: yeah. so I, I didn't i didn't like part two or part three part one was the only good one for me i guess it seemed
2: to have the majority of matches i remember going yeah that was fine this was decent there was, i don't think there's anything that really stood out as being really poor there's a decent women's match on it which gives it some extra kudos, I guess, as well, <laughs> considering how poorly they're they're shown throughout the yeah, year. True. And there's even an okay uh, Outsiders match.
0: This is tough. I think there's been a lot of ridiculousness this year. I, I, I think you both picked ones I, I was considering. Maybe, besides them, Fall Brawl? Fall Brawl was a decent show. Yeah, Fall yeah. Brawl was good. Because it's a very mixed show. And maybe the War Games match isn't a good wrestling match, but I like the story told at the end. I really like the tag match between the faces of uh, Fear and Rat and Mortis just because they're just stupidly athletic big guys, all four of them. The Jeff match was bad, but it's probably the best one he's had. Alex Wright was not good, but we enjoyed him. I think we can all agree we enjoyed Alex this year. That
1: was was peak Alex Wright, yeah. That
0: that was probably (laughs) the best we got him, and Ultimo's obviously... Superstar steiners harlem heat i could watch them wrestle a lot at this stage i had already got a bit repetitive not eddie's and chris's best showing for some reason those guys just didn't gel in their early career in wcw but still better than the average crap you get i can't remember what happened between my boy scott norton and the giant which probably doesn't bode well for what happened to scott norton, <laughs> I'm scott norton yeah i imagine yeah that, that was, was my, a choke. I done
2: that i i okay, definitely man. consider that pay-per-view that one that one isn't that bad either
0: and what Hogan wasn't on it, and I enjoyed it more. What?
1: Yeah, what? <laughs> I that that's actually my my favorite angle of the year. It culminates on that. So Tenny kind of turned in on the Horseman, joined the NWO, and the whole Ooh, my spot call. Arn
0: promo. It's one of the best of all time. It's so good. How about you, Because Best uh, best angle of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's probably it's the whole kind of evolution of DDP for me, culminating and winning yeah. the US title nice. there. It's a no-brainer nice. one, but it it is one of the few angles they seem to kind of hit on pretty consistently for the whole the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I I would have said I would have said Sting, but most of the good stuff was in '96, so yeah, I, I didn't even consider it.
0: Agree. Ooh, those are two really good ones. Um, gotta be Mongo McMichael and his wife. No, uh, <laughs> I think uh, uh. I, I think it's like mixed in its execution. But I think that Goldberg squashing people, I get it. I see him and I get it. And I think his matches have been awful, but I think I've enjoyed the angle a lot and getting to maybe I'm just being a big old mark because this is the first time I get to experience it in real time. If that makes any sense. Well, 98 is going to be much better for you than I imagine somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can get why people got hyped. I'm really disappointed that someone didn't book his match better, but I can get why people got hyped.
2: Oh no, you can totally see it. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: yeah. For for the the whole streak angle, I thought the beginning was actually done pretty well. Yeah, except for that Mongo match, pretty much.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was either too soon or not choreographed enough, whichever way you want to look at it. Runner up for me, but probably way too obvious. And the story isn't good as good as you know, just the matches are. Eddie versus Ray has been a good story. Yeah, it's traditionally good. Oh, yeah. I can't pick flaws in it besides a couple botches and matches. Just great chemistry between both of them
1: yep
2: fantastic that, that runs nicely into the last one
0: and lastly your absolute uh favorite match
2: of the year i figured we'd all pick the halloween half of match because it is it's it's a completely different level to everything else
1: i think we have to pick something else
2: <laughs> yeah I, I have a backup one i have a backup one okay for, it, it, it is also ray though it's it's ray versus ultimo from spring stampede so Ooh, nice i remember that big being one uh, great so
1: I actually have Regal versus Dragon because I was not thinking that would be a good match at all, yeah. and all of a sudden it was just it came out of nowhere to being an amazing match. And another great runner-up is the Dean versus Dragon Clash of Champions match that we did for the yeah. uh, the mm. video review.
0: Still love that match. Yeah, Ultima' is really really good. <laughs> I don't know yeah. So who knew? Yeah, I, th- I think you guys got my best ones of the year. I like Hokuto against Medusa. I know they aren't great matches because they're. They're given like three or four minutes, but you can see if they were both given like 10, 15 minutes, they could have a better match. I, I think that is one of my favorite, just because I was nicely surprised. DDP versus Savage, yep. the two you named the first. The first time DDP wins, or DDP wins the first one, right? Yes. Yeah. The, wins the first fight.
1: one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the no- sorry, not disqualification. I think is the first one. That that one is very good. Okay, so that's the last of the categories, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 uh, our. Nice, positive note on this year. Hasn't all been just complete shenanigans.
1: Yeah. Well, well, hold on. On the topic of shenanigans, Dave, I have some fun categories that oh, I want to ask you guys. Ooh. These are the best these ones. ones. Fun. Yeah, these are some of the best ones. So I, I've been keeping tabs on how many spray paints the NWO has been doing throughout the life of the year, of the podcast. So there was a total of 16 in 1996. Um, uh, let's, let's go over under in 97. Only 16?
2: It's got to be over over that anyway. This is including Nitros, right?
1: Oh, yeah, everything. Everything.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah, definitely over. I'm going to go double, 32. I think it's probably even more than that. I want to say like 50 because it's such nonsense now.
0: Jesus! <laughs> it was only a total of 21 spray paints. Oh, oh wow. Do okay. okay. you think it's just this thing where in, it's in so many promo packs for the NWO? We think way more happened. Maybe. Yeah, maybe.
1: Certain members like it more than others. And they would definitely go through kind of like spurts of it. Like, so there'd be like three weeks in a row where there's tons of spray paints, but then like no spray paints for like a month. Kind of get the feeling
2: yeah. Randy enjoys doing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Randy loved it. <laughs> yeah. But on the topic of that, I, w- I want to say who or what. So what object or who was sprayed the most in 1997?
0: Was it was it the title? Because the giant was washing it in the ring while X got it.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not not the title, not the title.
2: So I'm gonna go with the segue you get, which was DDP. I kind of get the feeling it was DDP.
1: <laughs> DDP is only three times, so oh, I think okay. he's tied with the belt of being sprayed. Oh sure. I think the the belt's only sprayed twice. Is it just a yeah. ring? Do they just do the ring? They do the ring once. Who's more? Oh, is it Ray Trailer? <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. I, that was, that's a good guess. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hang on. Who gets abused for like a month? There you go. Yeah. There you go. There <laughs> you go. He has been sprayed. This is a podcast record five times this year. And that's all time, too, including everybody in 96 and 97.
0: You, you know what? I think it's done, not done as much. It's hard to get off. It's not easy to clean spray paint off yourself. So if a higher card guy goes, you better not fucking spray paint me. You're not going to spray paint them.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. So just fun numbers to look over. There was also I wanted to uh, do a guess of how many nitros end in the NW hit in the ring. But my notes are not as good in the beginning of the year. (laughs) Second half, I was like, oh, I have this great idea. But then at the end of the year, I couldn't follow through. I'm sorry. But it had to be at least like 80 percent of the nitros. It was every fucking week. So overall, 97, like, it, it really wasn't a great year in wrestling, I thought, at least from WCW.
2: It is certainly a downturn. It's very middling. For, for all the, the great bluster at the start that they had from Bash on the Beach, they really haven't capitalized on it. I mean, they're raking it in money-wise. And so I can kind of see where they obviously thought they were doing well because they're getting the money that they've earned from last year, but they haven't earned it this year. So I assume it's going to crash right back down next year, from what I can remember.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting time, too, because, you know, we've had this big culmination storyline. WCW Thunder is starting pretty much. It's like the second first or second week in January. So this company, it's going to look a lot different on the next episode, because now, you know, we're going to have to get out the whiteboard and map it out. Of how yeah. to do storylines on two shows. So oh, it's, that's
0: such a funny interview. That's know, such it's a great. funny interview. It's so
1: good. So, yeah, if you think this company is unorganized now, oh, my God.
0: Have, have you seen the shoe interview, Gus? With who? So it's Nash. It's, uh, Nash on a, and they're like, oh, oh no. Like, oh. You don't know how hard. I was on the booking committee. You don't know how hard <laughs> it was. And they take out a whiteboard. And he's like, first, you got Nitro. And you got book guys for Nitro. And then you got Tundra. You got book guys for that. And he's like drawing little squares. And he's like, and then you got the pay-per-views. Like, yeah, that's three things. Yeah. Well, this is also Saturday night. like. But Thunder's taped. <laughs> he's like, and Thunder's taped. So someone gets injured. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, still, I'm still not getting why This is hard, man. You know, people don't give us enough credit for drinking and sitting in a room. No, they do not give you enough credit.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so you yeah, have Thunder. And yeah, then Nitro, unfortunately, goes to three hours, like full-time in '98. Which I um, am—I don't know how I'm gonna survive, guys. I'm actually a little afraid of my sanity going. It's gonna be rough. Like, yeah. Yeah. I watched the first episode of Nitro and Thunder. I'm like, this is the WCW I remember. They (sighs) promise you you'll see certain things. You don't. So then you have to like wait. Like, am I gonna see this or
2: what? How long is Thunder? Two hours? Two
0: hours. Oh my god. Could I watch? I I thought it was like an hour variety. Like you know, quick two three matches were done. Two no, hours. No, I might, I might no. try and
1: watch Thunder out of solidarity.
0: <laughs> oh man, it, it's gonna be a tough road. So after that show, as usual, goes whose side are you on? DDP. I, I don't think there's any other answer.
1: <laughs> well, there is another answer. I'm on Larry Zabisco's side. I'm oh, sure. He got, got to Soft. do what everybody wanted to do: beat up slimy Eric Bischoff, and you know, if only Larry could run the company or book matches, would be
0: nice. I'm on Brad Hart's side. I just want to give him a hug. I'm sorry for what everyone's done to him. Poor Brett didn't deserve any of this. That's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW vs. NWO. Where else can they find us, Connor?
1: Well, you can now find us on Patreon, so be sure to check out our page for more details on which tier will get you access to our new monthly podcast, which will be more focused on current wrestling I believe our first episode will be a review of the previous decade of wrestling. So any support from our awesome fans, we would really greatly appreciate it. Thank you everybody so far that's been with us all this time. So again, you can find us at patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO
0: podcast. For me, Connor Ingus, and Gus, thank you for listening and join us next time where man, holy shit, Rick Martel's on the show.